0: The following is a conversation with Levy Rosman, also known as Gotham Chess. He's a professional chess player and educator. I highly recommend you check out his YouTube channel called Gotham Chess. And now, a quick few second mention of each sponsor. Check them out in the description. It's the best way to support this podcast. We got Notion for team collaboration, Athletic Greens for daily multivitamins, ExpressVPN, for internet security, and Insight Tracker for bio-monitoring. Choose wisely, my friends. And now, onto the full ad reads. As always, no ads in the middle. I try to make them interesting, but if you must skip, please still check out the sponsors. I enjoy their stuff. Maybe you will too. This show is brought to you by Notion, a note-taking and team collaboration tool. I think it's most popularly known for the note-taking capabilities. All the cool kids go to the productivity forums and subreddits and uh, stack exchange. Notion comes up time and time again as like the stellar, the top tool to use for note taking. I use it for note taking uh, on the individual basis. But the thing that you may not know that Notion is also incredibly good at is the collaboration aspect of it and not just any kind of collaboration, but collaboration for any kind of tasks. So we could even for startups, for businesses, for, I don't know, homework assignments, all of it. They provide a kind of full-on operating system for running every aspect of a company or a team. You can learn more and get started for free at Notion.com. This show is also brought to you by Athletic Greens and its AG1 drink which is an (laughs) all-in-one-day drink uh, to support daily health and peak performance. Where was it? Somebody sent me on Reddit in a daze. I remember seeing a kind of meme saying like this is like the Lex Friedman podcast in a nutshell or maybe the Lex Friedman podcast experience in a nutshell, I don't know. The point is, there was some kind of crappy robot that has in Athletic Green's container and is doing the shaking and the mixing and all that kind of stuff for a trick. I mean, yes, but probably I would do a better job engineering the system and probably would not use it for that particular task. Uh, like, why introduce a machine into a task that's deeply human, my friends? Uh, So yes, somehow if this was the true luxury experience, you probably want to add a little bit of love into the whole thing, which chemically and nutritionally speaking is already built in. That's why I love Athletic Greens, not just because it's green and delicious, but because it's uh, really good for you, provides you with a nutritional basis for your mental and physical excellence. So you can be a beautiful version of you that you already are. (laughs) <laughs> They'll give you one month supply of fish oil when you sign up at athleticgreens.com slash lex. This show is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. I use them and I have used them for many, many years to protect my privacy on the internet. ISPs collect your data. Even if you're using Chrome Incognito to go to the shady websites that you go to. And I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm giving you all the respect and props you deserve, sir or madam, for all of the darkest, the shadiest places you go on the internet. But you should protect yourself when you do that. And a good VPN is a must. That's like the first and the most powerful layer of protection. ExpressVPN is my favorite, it's the one I've always used, so it's the one I really wanna recommend. You can do all kinds of other stuff, doesn't matter. What matters is it works fast, it works on any device including yes on linux android i anything anything you can uh, go to expressvpn.com/legspod to get an extra 3 months free this show is also brought to you by inside tracker a service i use to track biological data they have a bunch of plans most of which includes blood tests that give you information based on which machine learning algorithms will give you advice After analyzing your blood data, DNA data, fitness tracker data, all that kind of stuff, they'll give you advice based on what's going on inside you on what you should do with your life. Maybe sort of uh, diet and lifestyle changes, not like career changes, although that'd be pretty cool, where your DNA data could tell you, hey, uh, (laughs) maybe that career that you wanted as a... A, cho- a chocolatier. Is that the right way to say it? chocolatier? Like a person who uh, makes chocolate, right? I'm not even going to check. I you know, I can look it up online, but I'm just going to go with it. And then you can uh, clip this out to embarrass me as the internet seems to do with all the stupid things I say. I say so many stupid things and they accumulate over time. And all I can do is just laugh at myself and appreciate you Sir or madam, for laughing along with me. <laughs> anyway, Inside Tracker is incredible because the best health advice, medical advice, all all kinds of advice, I think should be grounded based on the data that comes from you. Get special savings for a limited time when you go to InsideTracker.com/slash Lex. This is the Lex Friedman podcast. To support it, please check out our sponsors in the description. And now, dear friends, here's Levy Rosman. You're known for being able to guess people's Elo rating. So, what do you think, just by looking at my face, deep into my eyes? Uh, what's my Elo rating? Yeah. Here, I'll help you. I'll I'll do <laughs> e four for the listener. I actually read that Stockfish prefers e four. Does it really? I didn't, I actually be, didn't know that because it maximizes the number of tactical options. So that makes sense. The right answer is thirty four hundred, which is, I believe, Stockfish. <laughs> uh you guess people's elo chess rating what, what's that take how hard is it to do that and like how would, would you actually do that like what are telltale signs of red flags about a person at different ratings is there something you look for
1: yeah i think you can separate it something like the very first the zero to about eight nine hundred for simplicity's sake i'm going to use the chess.com rating system because lee chess is slightly different it tends to Go two three hundred points higher than Chess. dot com. Sometimes even four five hundred points higher, but then it catches up. They catch up around twenty two twenty three hundred. I would say. What's Chess. dot com? What's Lee Chess? Can you like yeah? So explain what the difference is and what they are. They're two chess websites. Uh, Good starting point. Yes, Chess. dot com is. Uh, It has obviously the free option where you can play games, you get some sort of puzzles every single day, you get some sort of lessons every single day, but then they have tiered memberships where you can pay annually or per month that you can unlock all the other features. And Like what? Like for training, for like puzzles and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, they have unlimited puzzles, but they also have, their, their biggest selling point for sure is like a dedicated game review that... It's like very flashy and sophisticated, and the coach will literally tell you what you did wrong at every single moment the computer evaluated a mistake. But the most important thing that they have is they offer international masters, grandmasters the opportunity to make video lesson libraries, which hundreds of hours of anything. I can even learn some stuff on there probably.
0: I have anal beads <laughs> that are con- communicating with Stockfish via Bluetooth. Yeah, we've we'll de- get to that.
1: Yes, we will get to that. <laughs> Uh it's, uh, it's epic. It's actually scary how many people think that's a real thing. By the way, which is the danger of the internet. But we, we, yeah, we will get into that. But I tend to believe that people believing a thing that's hilarious
0: at scale will make that thing a reality. I'm with Elon on this. I think uh, people manifest the meme. The meme becomes real. So that, but that, that's uh, in all walks of life. I, I think there is something about humor, sort of uh, being. Uh, why is why did I I was gonna well, what was I was going to say is I feel like humor becomes a lubricant for the trajectory of human civilization and I don't know why the word lubricant went into my head which beads I understand yeah but it's very Freudian yeah. anyway so uh, to zero to
1: nine hundred if you're thirteen a hundred yeah. player you were saying if you're not good at end games you don't understand how to convert positions that have seven or eight pieces left on the board. You don't know when you're supposed to activate your king. You don't know how a bishop outplays a knight with just several pawns on the board. Those are all very important things because it's not just about knowing the theoretical end games. Like some positions in chess are literally solved. Yeah. If I showed you a position, I asked what's the evaluation and how do you win it? There's a technique. You're supposed to know that technique. And the coaches on chess.com can help or no? Yeah, that, that... so these lesson libraries, it's not like a live lesson. It's pre-recorded training position walk you through it. And then there's a dynamic factor as well where you can practice. You can practice the theoretical and you can practice a practical game where there's no set format to do something. Mm-hmm. It's just based on your previous experience. Basically, Leach is, their entire thing is, it's an open source website that tries to be as free as possible and operates totally on donations. They don't have any advertisements. They don't have, which is weird because normally in big competitive settings, it's all capitalistic. You have one big entity and another big entity, and they're both for profit. But in this case, the big argument is, well, they offer a lot of things for free. You can analyze your games for free. You can you can go into Leechess's lessons library and do things for free. The comparison that I always make is chess.com is basically like having a good personal trainer and having someone to help you at the gym. Leeches is you have to do the, the all the stuff yourself. So you can combine YouTube with Leachess. No one's gonna really point you in the right direction. You gotta go fully explore on your own. If you want to do it, you can. I also like to say, can I make a controversial joke? Yes. Okay, <laughs> ardent Leachess supporters are like very angry, uh, you know, only uh, uh, vegetarian or, or vegan mm-hmm. folks because they will tear you apart and try to convert you as much as possible. Did you just <laughs> did you just point a large number of,
0: of uh, haters onto this uh, very podcast? Is this what just happened? No. Is there like several people that were very upset at you right now? No. And throwing things? Okay. No, no.
1: That's always the joke that I've made because if people have chess.com, and I love all people, but I'm just saying <laughs> chess.com patrons okay. do not try to actively convert folks on Lee Chess. Right. Folks on Lee Chess are like, you know, there's a meme chess.com. Chess. Oh, yeah, and it started yeah. at Lee chess Start started Lee chess. somewhere in red unreaded, Anarchy chess kind of a oh so Lee chess is a little bit of
0: an anarchist organization would you <laughs> would you go as far as to say no. they're a terrorist <laughs> terrorist extremist organization are we going there for, for legal reasons that's uh I thought Lee chess has like really good analysis like somebody does it have an engine for analysis of like games or is that or is that an open source thing that
1: like they both do they both use stockfish 15.
0: Okay, and then the rest is the interface around stock,
1: stockfish that shows. It's that tough. No. It's it's the live. So chess has a live server where you and I can play a game against each other. We just both seek, and if we have the same rating, we have the same criteria. Yeah, we'll we'll play a game. But there's also reviewing your own games. There's an opening database, so you can see what the most popular trends are. So Lee chess is is great. Like I'm I'm sponsored by chess. Com, and I will openly say that. Mm-hmm. But you can't have. So you're deeply biased. Yes. Okay. But I'm also complimenting the competitor. Okay. But, uh, but so
0: can you play games on Lee Chess? Or is it just for analysis?
1: Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, so it's the same exact thing.
0: So they're like legitimately competitors. Not exactly the same thing, but they have the... They're trying to match for features, but you're saying Lee Chess is more chaotic and then chess.com is more like yeah, professional. I
1: don't yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's chaotic. I just know that it's... Uh, you have to. No one's going to hold your hand if you, if if you go to to lead chess. You absolutely can. You can play games. You can analyze your games. But it, you have to discover it yourself. The whole point of chess. dot com is to make the journey as simple as possible. Got it. Uh, But Got it. I also firmly believe you can't have any sort of growth in chess without a chess. dot com or a chess twenty four. What's time? Oh, what's chess twenty four? So chess twenty four was another live. Server with some lesson libraries and so on. But uh, they were, I think, the process was they were bought by Play Magnus. Mm -hmm. So, what's Play Magnus? Play Magnus. That's that's Magnus Carlson's thing. He he doesn't own it. He owns some stake in it, I think 9 or 10%. They owned a bunch of chess companies, including Chess24. But now it seems like they're either merging or basically getting acquired by chess.com. Got it. And then Play Magnus, it's an app
0: also where you can play Magnus at mag- yeah. different levels, but yeah. there's also the Group. educational stuff.
1: Yes. Okay. The cool. for profit chess companies make the option for grandmasters to make a living, to make chess an esport. Yeah, Lee Chess is great. It's just, it doesn't put on any events, there's no commentary. So you, you can have both in theory, and probably some controversy is good. Does chess.com like sponsor you, like help you out in some way? Like what's the
0: connection between your videos and streams and so on and chess dot com? Like are they supporting people in that way or no?
1: My content, they don't necessarily I just make whatever I want. Like I, I don't have I have not sense like if they do something stupid, I will call out their leadership. It's not like but uh I to have the logo up like in my YouTube videos got or it, my it, yeah, that's just that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: So anyway, back to uh, I mean, that was really helpful. I was confused about all of that. No, it's... um the guessing people's rating. Mm-hmm. So the thing you mentioned about the end game, if you don't know what the hell you're doing with the end game, what does that mean about your rating? If you don't know how to finish with just a few pieces on the board. You could be my rating. (laughs) 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 End game is tough. That's the self-deprecating humor we tuned in for. Uh, (laughs) End games are
1: hard, man. They're 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 tough. Yeah, you can't have. There's a reason Magnus is the best It's because seven hours into a game when everybody's given up, he's still squeezing juice out of the fruit. So that's the way I would describe it. So that's not a good source of information. If you no within the first 15 moves, generally you can tell, uh, because you can tell how well they played the opening. So how well they knew what they were supposed to memorize, what they were supposed to play and then how they react to peace interactions. So if they are faced with a move that a more advanced player would deal with very swiftly because there's kind of a natural response, that gives you information. If they move their king when they're in check when they didn't have to, that's a massive giveaway. Some people just think, oh, I'm in check, so I have to move my king. Okay. So it's like how direct the response
0: of your play is to the danger. So like if you're more moving like multiple pieces at a time, meaning like you're moving like, the the pieces are like tied together Mm -hmm. in interesting ways. And then, okay. Okay, like what about like, uh, what about the opening can you tell also? Because a lot of people can memorize
1: openings, right? Yeah, but takes two to tango. So you could memorize a bunch of stuff. But if you're 900 and I'm 900, your rating is fluctuating all over the place in the, in, in this podcast. I feel yes. like 12, 13, 900. Yeah. You can memorize things. I'm going to play some crap, and you can't play the way you you memorized them mm-hmm. because I have to respond to you in certain ways. So you will either respond the way you think you're supposed to respond, and that will probably be incorrect, or now you have to figure out how to deal with the fresh position. Also, oh, the 900 will reflect
0: itself in both cases. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if actually. So, uh, do you know your current rating or no, or
1: your top rating?
0: What was your top? Like, I, know, I know
1: both my current Elo, like over the board, now is twenty three twenty. My peak was twenty four thirty. Oh, cool. So, can you play like
0: a nine hundred player? Like, can you force yourself? Yeah. So you can like, given that you've guessed a lot of Elo ratings, can you kind of emulate that? It's kind of an interesting question,
1: yeah. Me. Yeah, of course. I, before I was doing YouTube and Twitch, I was teaching kids, so I had to not only did I have to play at their rating, I also had to play and sometimes even behave and explain things in a way that the kid could understand. So, absolutely, yeah, I think that's what contributed to the growth of the channel. Frankly, I kind of understood how beginners thought about the game. So, yeah,
0: you did um, you taught people chess, you coached people for, for many years, I guess, in, in New York, yeah, New York. Yeah. What what did you learn about the way people learn from that? So, like, how how did people that were successful at getting good at chess quickly? Mm-hmm. What were the some of the commonalities, some of the patterns that you saw? Obsession. <laughs> yeah. What does obsession look like?
1: I th- I would say it's obsession and also, and also love of the game. So if you're bored. You don't want to watch a show. You want to boot up Chess.com or Lee Chess, just, for, just so I don't get yeah. flamed by any, anyone in the audience. Uh, and you just play. So you're saying Lee Chess people are the ones that would attack aggressively? They're the kind of it's people.
0: It's probably the, the Chess 24 people. Chess. Oh, that's another... <laughs> <laughs> so there's well, not I, I didn't know. I thought chess24 was part of the chess.com. Well um, now, yes. Uh the joke. a cult or tribe or whatever terms we want to use. No,
1: no, I'm sure there's even more places to play live. There always have been more places to play live, but uh, chess.com, like Leeches dominate and well, chess24 is a, is rough for live interface. Of course they have good courses and everything, but Well leave yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got it. And some
0: are even good people or whatever, Yes. that quote goes. Yes. Okay. Like uh, obsession, that mm-hmm. means the way they look at the board, when they're bored, how quickly do they return to the chess board, that kind of stuff.
1: Just like yes. how many hours a day they, they want to spend. Yes. They spend and yes. want to spend. Some kids definitely have a talent. Of course, there's this eternal debate, talent versus hard work. I don't necessarily know if it's a talent for chess specifically, but it's a talent for, I'm sure there's some sort of spatial visualization in your mind, You're, you start picking up what squares are controlled by your pieces and opponent's pieces faster, your memory is much stronger. So you you don't just learn openings like we discussed, you learn literal patterns such as, oh, I remember this from two tournaments ago. I remember this from a game I played just yesterday and you just keep playing and playing and playing. But I think the one commonality I think I've seen in all kids, it's uh, obsession. You have to play a lot. And I've seen kids who are brilliant kids. Like if you give them a page of tactics, puzzles, they solve faster than anybody. They can pick things up here super fast. They're a pleasure to teach. They go to a tournament, disaster. Hmm. They can't handle the anxiousness they can't handle that silent face-to-face war with another six-year-old they can't even handle it. there's also trash talk there's one sentence by by a kid can throw off your prize student and i've seen kids just totally disintegrate i've seen yeah. also my students bully other kids who are, my student wasn't that strong yeah. but their verbal warfare which is not allowed but goes unnoticed at well, it's not past. even verbal warfare like just going like hmm like yeah
0: little little like Like facial expressions you would make at the board. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. There's pretty creepy, the intensity, not creepy, that's not the right word, but there's an intensity in that silence over the board. Like you can probably hear stuff like, just like it's super quiet. It's like a library. Yep. And then there's just a tension that builds. You can hear the breathing.
1: Yeah, and at the highest level, both sides are involved in a battle that they both foresee 99% of the time. That's the scary part, is that you both see the exact same thing. It's very rare you play a move and I didn't see it. It's that I misevaluated it. I saw the move could be played, but I missed something three or four moves deeper. You play that move and suddenly you're excited and I'm nervous, Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden you make an inaccuracy and now the tide shifts, right? We could be on totally different planes throughout the game, or we could be on the same plane throughout the game. So it's it's really fascinating. It
0: Yeah. So your thought is when you see a move that to you seems suboptimal, you start to think, What was that? You start to try to make sense of that. Did you miscalculate or did they miscalculate? What isn't that what Magnus is really good at? Is taking people away from like making suboptimal moves to take them away from the known. Uh, openings, or is that unfair to
1: say? Yeah, he gets part of his really dominant reputation, I think, from not letting people get into ultra theoretical positions. He just won this tournament, this online tournament, and he said he had a a young player strategy. He had an anti sorry a anti young player strategy. What's that mean? It means that by move seven or eight, you go to the database no games. Nice. Kid is on their own. They have to swim on their own. Yeah. And they have to deal with the strategic complexities of the position, which he just he gets. And he might get from just an enormous database within his brain of historical games that have similar structures or just sheer genius. Like we 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 won't know. Yeah. It's a mix of the two for sure. The younger you are, you can't remember a game played in nineteen fifty one in some bar in the Soviet Union, but he does because he read a book once. Or a magazine once. And he just remembers. He just remembers. It. He remembers the structure, which it's just it's not fair. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, right? What do you
0: think makes him, if we can sort of linger on it, what do you think makes him so good?
1: I think it's the memory, and I think it's He just seems to get the game better than anybody else. That's the best way I I can describe it. In sports, you have reaction time, you have strength, you have mm-hmm. but also as he's now evolving. It's stamina. So there have been games that, if you put two other twenty-seven, fifty-rated players or world top ten players, they would have drawn the game. The game would have ended. The game nobody would have won it. You put Magnus as one of the aggressors in that game. So suddenly, the chance of victory doubles from five percent to yeah, ten percent. Weird. What? What's that about? Because was it
0: game six against Nepo?
1: Like, right? Uh, isn't Stockfish say that it's supposed to be a draw? So 0.00 does mean a draw sometimes, but other times it means, and this is the joke I always make, it means that Stockfish is out for a smoke break. It just, it, just, it can't. Can you explain the joke and can yes. you explain 0.00? Yes, so when, so Stockfish will show uh, an evaluation which determines whether the position is equal, slightly better for one side, slightly better for the other side, or completely winning. Yes. You can, zero point zero zero point 0.00, 0.2, minus 0.2, that's all, Within a balance, you can say, okay, black has a little sprinkle of activity, something. White has that. But if it's zero, 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 it could be literally a dead draw, meaning theoretically just impossible to win. But oftentimes what that means is, the smoke break joke is, Stifters doesn't know. There is so much complexity within the position, the combinations of different moves that are acceptable and okay, it cannot evaluate correctly. Wow. So even the end games are tough for Stockfish. Which is why Magnus won that game because there was practical value remaining. It wasn't a dead draw. He continued to ask questions over the course of six or seven hours. He would sacrifice a pawn. He would sacrifice another pawn to damage the structure. Valuation stayed the same because a machine could stop him, but not Jan. And that was one of my favorite... Re- that, that that game ruined my whole day, by the way. It destroyed... Yeah. because That's I so made, long. Yeah, I made so many plans that day. It completely ruined my day, but it was a very worthy recap. You were just all in. You watched that whole game? I watched the whole game. And the World Championship was a crazy time because I wanted to be first with the recap video, but I also wanted to be best with the recap video. So I spent all the hours of the games watching all the live broadcasts. And getting all the information, all the variations, and trying to put that into the recap—it was—it was a lot of fun. It, it was a huge adrenaline dump when it was all over. So,
0: just for people who don't know, that's the most recent World Championship. Um, so you had a—I mean, that was that was a draw after draw after draw after draw. Yeah, and it was—it was kind of boring in that way. Or maybe our draws—is there like non-boring parts within the draw to you when you were like just studying it carefully?
1: for me yes for the average viewer no that's the truth especially when the game itself is not that exciting when magnus plays a strange move on move nine or ten that hasn't ever been played and then jan has to try to exploit it and he fails and no attack builds up and they shuffle their pieces for three hours my favorite yeah. thing is when the commentator's
0: like, I don't know why he did that. I wonder why he did that. Like yeah. when the commentators are confused, that's my, as a as a person who's just a spectator, just like, uh, that's, that's interesting. Cause then you, the most interesting part is about listening to the commentators who I guess themselves might be grandmasters. All. Uh, all yeah. All. They are trying to, I guess just like Nepo, just like Magnus tried to figure out what's the idea here? What are you thinking? that's cool that's 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 an interesting part of the game but other than that it's it seemed um yeah i I, I, I was sure this is just kind of keep being a draw especially in that situation Mm -hmm. so it's almost it seems almost remarkable that his uh magnus was able to put pull out a win in game six and after that uh, at least magnus said that 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 ends it because now that was gonna have to take more risks and that opens it up to pure chess. And then when it's, um, who was it? Uh, Steve Prefontaine said like when it, whenever it's, whenever there's a race is
1: down to like pure guts, then that's when I win it. There was <laughs> also a conversation about Jan's first half, second half in any tournament. In the first half, he's just brilliant on fire. You could even say he was out playing Magnus but the entire conversation before the match was, Jan slows down. And at the first sign of a loss or a setback, the match might fall apart. And that was the worst way to lose. There was literally no worse way. And it just got worse from there and there. I mean, it was one move mistakes. and But he's back. He's Jan has won the candidates again. He's going to play for the world championship. So who you got? Who 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 you got? What is what is this slang terminology? <laughs> uh, can
0: can we like uh, somehow edit that into a more sophisticated with a British accent type of phraseology? Okay, who do you think will win that match? I think it's 55-45
1: but I don't know forward for who. I don't know for who. <laughs> <That's>, that <doesn't... laughs> So it's close. It's very close. Okay. You right. can make both cases. You could say Ding, uh, you could say Jan has been here before. You can say to the world championship stage, he knows what it's like to have a training camp and so on and so forth. His playing style is very, but you can also say Ding Liren is one of the most stable, unemotional chess players. And Ding oftentimes goes from down to up. So in the candidates, he lost to Jan in the very first game, 14-round tournament. He got demolished in the first game. I'm sure he was suffering from jet lag, the flight. He he came to Spain like two days before the games began, which was crazy to me. And uh, he got second place by the end. His chances of finishing in the top two were like 2%. After that first round game, people wrote him off completely. So he doesn't go from top down. He goes the opposite way. And if he loses, he might come back. But the truth is, I don't know. The truth is it's, it's going to be an interesting match. And it's also disappointing we're not going to get Magnus in it. Yeah. What do you think about him
0: stepping away from uh, the world championship? Are you a romantic about the world championship? No,
1: I'm not a romantic about anything, I don't think. I, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> it's <what> dark. <laughs> <laughs> it went dark quickly. I don't think I'm sophisticated enough to be a romantic. I think wow. I, uh, you know, I, I, t- I taught chess and now I make YouTube videos. I, I'm not qualified on the subject of romanticism, but I... You don't think it's a beautiful game? Chess? Yeah. No, I think I th- I think it is a beautiful. There game. you go. I got you. Yeah. Is that is that considered being a romantic? Yeah.
0: I was seeing the beauty in the. You can be like Bach and seeing the math
1: in the music, mm-hmm. or you can see the beauty, the magic. I think I see beauty in in certain types of chess for sure. Not in all chess. So I'll partially romantic. <laughs> Part time romantic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what? I mean, what what do you feel about Magnus stepping away from the world championships? Disappointing but understandable. Can you steal man's case? What's 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 understandable about it to you? I don't think it's as prestigious as it could be. I don't think the world championship? Yeah, yeah. Why does Magnus still sign everything as world champion
1: then? That's a good point. That that he did just put out a statement and he did and he, say but he does it everywhere else too. Does he really? Yeah, like world know. champion, right? World champion. Well, I don't know. World Maybe.
0: champion ch- World chess champion.
1: Maybe it's just because he 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 won it, but he thinks that the journey to the top once again to maintain the status quo has lost its appeal. You know what the example that that I like to I like to make, I I'm a big fan of UFC. Mm-hmm. So, we've never really seen with the exception of Georges St-Pierre Walking and, and Habib, but Habib was kind of a different story. Walking away from a belt at the absolute zenith of their career. But also in the UFC, champions are extremely well taken care of. I mean, champions have some of the best, some of the best lives. Of course, you can argue not all champions, you can say some of the lower weight divisions, yes. But what I'm saying is a lot of them get all the sponsors. They get massive, massive paydays. They're international celebrities. I don't think chess has that. In fact, the World Championship of Chess Prize Fund has not changed much in like 40 years. So you could probably make more money on, uh, on YouTube.
0: Yes. Playing <laughs> randos, not randos, but other, having fun and playing challenging, really challenging games, playing other Super Grandmasters, like in ad hoc events, uh, or maybe a little bit organized events, but not the World Championship. Yeah. And still, and still have a lot of fun, make a lot of money. Um, get everybody excited, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So for Magnus specifically, and we're using him because he's the world champion, if you tally, if he wins every tournament that he plays in over the course of a year, which is really not even that crazy of an estimate because that's really how it seems sometimes. Yeah. I don't know how much money that is. I haven't tallied, but if he dedicated an entire year to being managed on social media and doing various things and growing all his brands and getting sponsor deals, I think he would make five times more than being the world champion. Which is crazy, yeah. But money isn't everything. I know that's that's totally fair. People dedicate
0: their whole life to winning the Olympics. Mm -hmm. The Olympics is a funny, is an interesting one too because, like, I didn't even watch the the Olympics as carefully as I usually do this year. Yeah, me me Neither. It's it's really strange. I'm not sure why that is. And during COVID, I'm not sure. That's that was weird. I don't know if it's losing its magic. Part of it is also the people that own the Olympics and the way they distribute it, they make it a little bit more difficult to watch. Like it's, it should, in my opinion, it should all be just available on YouTube and uh, easily accessible. It's like the difference between like uh, SpaceX and and uh, some other, organi- like yeah. even NASA, just SpaceX is better at streaming their launches and, and commentating them. And it, they've made NASA better mm. as well but just like the ability it sounds ridiculous but making it more frictionless for people to watch, get excited, to share all that kind of stuff yeah like I, i'm not exactly sure where the magic like balances between the the classy traditional world championships and the kind of dramatic exciting streamer world and it feels like for for the world championships to be relevant, they have to find that balance.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, this recent one had I was it's pretty good commentating, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm not I'm not even necessarily talking about myself. There was a lot of no, that, that was commentary. the worst part for me. <laughs> <laughs> no. There was
0: well <laughs> no, single, it, you it, did amazing, yeah. I,
1: I appreciate that. It was a lot of uh it was a big arms race. So every major chess platform tried to get one super grandmaster. Vishwanathan Anand, Fabiano Caruana, you name it, they were they were basically involved. And to to go back to that point, yeah, I the big question is money. And if if Magnus is not motivated by money, if the prize fund for the next World Championship was ten million dollars, would he play it? If he says no, then it must be something else. It must just be a matter of something's not worth it. It's not worth you, it. you gotta take him at
0: his word, and his word is like there's too much stress to yeah. the low sample. Play. Yeah. Like, I want to play many was, more times. Yeah.
1: He wants to play more. He wants to, he wants shorter to make games. more interesting. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. More shorter games. Like, where you can um, increase the possibility of pure chess. Whatever the heck that means.
1: Yeah, but we can't go back to the first Karp of Kasparov match, which they had to stop due to health concerns. I mean, the guy went down 5 nil and mm-hmm. it was first to six wins, and draws didn't count. So, draws didn't amass to the total score. There was no best of system. So, so what happened there? The match went something like seven, eight months. Kasparov started making a comeback after being down 5 nothing. He was 5-3 mm-hmm. and they called it off. They called it off. They said, both players are in poor health conditions. Kasparov stormed down, yelled that this is a farce. and But the match was 50 games long. It would, uh, even more, maybe. I made a video and I don't even remember how many games <laughs> it was. It was so long. Can you imagine? Bobby Fischer wanted something at, almost as extreme. Draws don't count. It's first one to 10 wins. Mm-hmm. And if it's 9-9 the world champion retains his title. So you have to beat the world champion 10-8. That's the only way. So you don't like that? What's I, It's just grueling? I don't know. Maybe I like it for the YouTube recaps, but do I like it for the players? Do I like it for general public? No. torture. Yeah, it's three, four hours, right? You Imagine your favorite tennis match was six months long. <laughs> what are we doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's still magic to the world championship. I, I wish they could make it some interesting... They make it work somehow. But yeah. Ma- I think Magnus is really challenging Fide and everybody else to step up and try to figure that out, which is great ultimately. Um, who would you say is the greatest of all time? Can you can you make the case, you mentioned Kasparov, can you make the case for Kasparov, can you make the case for Magnus Carlsen, uh, Bobby Fischer, Tall,
1: in my opinion, you can make a case for Magnus, Gary, and Bobby Fischer. I'm not one is of there? the folks that's like. Oh, I mean, Capablanca was brilliant. You can argue Steinitz was brilliant, but as uh, I think, I think it was. It's probably Kasparov, and Magnus has a chance to overtake it. So the longevity is really important to you when you're
0: thinking about this.
1: Yes, thing. I think so. I think Magnus is very, very close. I think it's it's extremely close. What would you. be the magic. You gotta get that sixth one. Also, oh, <laughs> no, <I'm> just <laughs> So the world championships matter. It's kind of like basketball, right? Rings. It's all all comes down to how many rings did, did this person win? What weigh? about well, basketball doesn't have this. The number of years at number one, right? Mm. Like
0: uh, rating. Sorry. Yeah. Like, uh, like there's a there is a, which is what. Magnus really likes is like there is a nice system of rating of who is ranked number one, and it has to do not with some championships or low sample tournaments, Mm -hmm. it has to do with general game after game after game helps estimate more accurately the ELO rating. So,
1: yeah, he's been world number one for I think 11 years, right? Which is still less than Gary was world number one for 20 years, yeah, which is which is quite wild. But still lower
0: rating, I think, than Magnus now, right? Yeah,
1: I think rating in general has sort of...
0: Allegedly, it got inflated? Yeah. Is that true? Is there truth to that?
1: I think so. I don't... I can't speak to how exactly it happened, but it also happens online. If you go back just three or four years, I think some of the best Blitz players on let's say com were 27, 2800, and now they're 3200. I think it's just sort of what happens. But I... I don't exactly know. Uh, I will mention that there was a very strange change, not exactly sure when the year was, in FIDE, so over the board chess, where if you were under the age of 16 or 18 years old, one of those two, and you were below 2,300, okay, your rating change factor was three to four times higher. Mm -hmm. So just imagine what that means. Magnus has a rating change factor of of let's say one. I have a rating change factor also of one. Anybody over the rating 2,400 has the same rating change factor.
0: Uh, What is uh, the rating change factor? So if you win-
1: Yeah, there's a formula and basically let's say at the very base level, five point change. If your rating change factor is one. You beat somebody, you gain five points. Those kids who were under 18 and under 2,300, their rating change factor was four. So their ratings were going up four times higher and four times like up and down compared to normal folks. And there was a there was one teenager in the US in particular who in one month played a bunch of tournaments with his rating change factor and became nearly rated 2640, which is top 50 in the world. Mm-hmm. He was just a random teenager from the United States. He became a grandmaster ultimately, but he bled like Ninety points down because his rating was so inflated, and this the K forty exists now. I mean, you have many kids who out of nowhere twenty one hundred, twenty one hundred, twenty four hundred after you know one good month. It's like what? <laughs> so that's interesting. That's like uh, similar to like how TikTok inflates
0: your virality early on. Does it? Maybe, well, yeah. Like I, I, I. Well, at least the rumor is like. They want you to get engaged. Mm. And I thought there was even artificial likes and so on that they want you to get that dopamine addiction. And so maybe they want to throw you, if you're really passionate about chess, they want you to throw you to the sharks by artificially inflating you, inflating your rating. And maybe that gets you into the game much more intensely.
1: Maybe. I,
0: don't, I wonder how many like backdoor feed-in meetings there are with cigars and. So that that was uh, the factors determined by who, who does the, the, the elo rating who changes this stuff yeah
1: <laughs> who knows it's probably those lee chess anarchists yeah exactly <laughs> I think they want to I think they want to they want to stay away from that stuff but so there's a guy named Hans Niemann yeah
0: and uh, he beat Magnus Carlsen recently yeah has been already what is what was it? August. September 4th. Oh, wasn't it day, yeah. was September. So he beat him twice, right? Recently. Once is the allegations the by the internet that Hans Nieman cheated. And then the second time, uh, Magnus played a few moves and f- forfeited and resigned. Oh, there's
1: actually, so there's three.
0: Okay. Sorry. Can you, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. Can, you, can we go through the stuff? Yes, so, yes. 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 Uh, so.
1: They play a live eSports event in Miami, Miami Beach, yes, Eden Rock. that's where I actually interviewed Magnus, yeah, that's where that was mm-hmm.
0: oh, by weird circumstance, I found myself in Miami unrelated to the chess event, and uh, yeah, it was a very dramatic event for me for various reasons, one of which the camera stopped working halfway through the conversation. I saw that,
1: yeah, I saw that I also side note, I really respect how you write comments, pin them at the top. You add timestamps. You're like very true professional. I am the complete opposite on YouTube when I'm off the camera. So I dig in the mud. (laughs) What does that mean? Dig in the mud? From when I started on YouTube in 2020, I, in June, like May, June, 2020, I had no subscribers. So I got to a million in a year. I had a lot of People analyzing my every move, all of my small flaws, and I—I I love getting hate comments because yeah, you pin, you pin. Yeah. Is it the comment of shame? Or something? It, it, that's what it was. has been named over the years by by folks. I never yeah. called it that, but yeah, it's 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 pin of shame. And pin of shame, yes. It's been tough because now people pretend to write hate comments just to get attention. So, like anything, the public yeah. ruined the good thing. <laughs> But it started that way. It started with people just shredding me to bits, calling me spin offs of this, and that and um I think i'm I'm a human more than I'm a creator, an influencer, an attention seeker, like I'm just a person, so to me, even at the size of one point six million subscribers now september twenty twenty two I don't understand that I've gotten big and that I shouldn't do this stuff and that I should be beyond it or. I shouldn't be checking my social media as much as I do and interacting one-on-one. I'm still very much a human being. And my guilty pleasure, my way of killing time if I'm not laying on the couch and playing some chess blitz games off stream is I just interact with people who say nice things and who say horrible things. Mm-hmm. And I really like to get into the head of the people who say the terrible things. Now, sometimes you can't. Sometimes they are truly trolls. But sometimes people just, they just... They just really hate you. So, what,
0: what, what's a successful what's a successful interaction with the person that's uh, trolling you? What's uh, like at the end of that hero journey that you were, uh, yeah, uh, partaking in? What's what's like? What's the top of the mountain look like? Is the troll conquered and yes. broken mentally? Not and,
1: no, not mental. I don't want to. I don't want to defeat. I I honestly sometimes somebody writes a very long comment. I'll just I'll respond with a question mark.
0: Yeah. Oh, so you're. You're, you see each other like a, like a brother and sister. You're going to travel together on this journey of m- deep meaning, like introspection of what does this mean?
1: Yeah, I've had people write, I can't quote now, but something about my persona, my behavior, this and that. And I just like respond to them and I say, hey, it sounds crazy that a large creator might do something like this, but this kind of goes back to, you speak to folks on a very respectful way. If you make a mistake, you completely own up to it. So I have this sometimes these one-on-one interactions where I say, I think you're reading too much into this. I think you're kind of, you don't understand maybe some of my humor or sarcasm as as such. So you form this opinion that Mm -hmm. I'm this kind of a person, this and that, and now you're sort of, anything I do, you're trying to attach to that reasoning and here you are writing this lengthy essay of why nobody should watch my content. And sometimes people go, you know what? I think you have a point, maybe I should relax a little bit saying, hey, hey. yeah i would love
0: <laughs> I, I would love to sort of interview and understand the lives of the the folks that post that kind of stuff i mean they're they're human beings they have interesting journeys also yeah. I think they often don't realize I think they don't realize their comment will be read by anybody, especially you maybe they they think like and they also don't realize you're a human being, I feel like that's. Yes. and it's it's so interesting to watch it <laughs> like uh some guy cuz i posted on twitter for like a minute uh that i'm talking to you and asking for questions i i deleted that tweet because <laughs> yeah because like, you didn't like 95% yeah. of the people were talk about cheating talk about the cheating Go, all right i got it thank you this is not going to be helpful at all no. so i was like all right but in that time like there's one comment Which I'm, it's hilarious to me that you found that one comment. (laughs) The one comment says, like, this seems like a waste of time or something. Like, why? Lame
1: guest. Lame Lame guest. guest. (laughs) Lame guest.
0: And then used, uh, 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 like, responded something like with a question mark. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I wrote, Why am I a lame guest? Why am I I, made a sad face? Let's talk about this. Yeah, I was like, Why am I a lame guest? And he responded. He responded even after you deleted the tweet. What did he say? He said, he doesn't know what value I would bring because I just make videos about chess games. Yeah, And that's true. You've had some absolutely brilliant people on, uh-huh. but I also looked at this gentleman's profile and uh-huh. he his he was one of the folks that put things about his family and God and, and his politics in his Twitter bio. And I started thinking, maybe I said something in some video and I, I made a joke about religion or something just some offhand five second thing somewhere that someone t- turns me into just an absolute outcast in their household they can no longer watch me and that has happened yeah that has happened i'll record a 30 minute video and i'll make a joke about something and some phrasing and that's it i've lost the viewer forever and they will let me know they will write me an email and i just don't think people should be that serious yeah there, there, there's <laughs> some
0: of that because i'll
1: I've seen people say that
0: sometimes about me, but I see it more with others. They'll say, uh, you know, I used to be like Joe Rogan gets this. Uh, yeah. I used to be a huge fan of Joe Rogan until he said this, mm-hmm. right? It's like one. Uh, first, I do wonder if you were ever really a big fan. That's, that's one qu- question mark I have. But the other is like, I think we should be more lenient with each other in terms of how much stupid shit we say. Yeah. and And you know if you actually I wish people were able to sort of introspect on their own on the own on the stupid shit they say themselves like to, to to have a little bit of empathy, like I wish there was a way to read all the emails you've ever written and just to see or maybe do a search engine for all the stupid shit you've said in emails in the past and like summarize it and to reveal it to yourself that like. You have bad days. You have good days. You have emotional days. Uh, you have stoic days. You have sometimes you have like uh, you take very different political views, than you do on other days. And it's like it's all over the place. And if you're a creator, if you're putting stuff out all the time, you're gonna have those. And you're you're still you're still a full like complex bag of emotions and thoughts and ideas and contradictions and all of that like you shouldn't judge a person by a single statement and even when you do you should try to infer the best possible interpretation of that statement i feel like that that's just a healthier way to interact with the world and with other humans it's like i wonder what's the best possible interpretation of the thing they just tweeted or they said like what Let's let's imagine that the person saying those words is actually a really good human being, and what did they mean when they said that thing about anal beads? <laughs> right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so good for so long. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: uh, or wh- wh- whatever it is, like you know, you, they didn't mean to be offensive to the sexuality of a certain group. They're just talking about, they're talking shit about ALB. It's like they're not, uh, like sometimes it's humor. Sometimes it's actually genuinely uh, embodying like a political viewpoint and like walking with it, thinking through it for a few days. Like, Like taking it seriously, empathizing, not just for a brief moment, but for a time, like walking with an idea and allowing yourself to express it. Like playing devil's advocate, I do that all the time. With could, yourself
2: or with myself?
0: Yeah. yeah, in conversation I do too, and I find I have to say I'm playing devil's advocate. Like you have to be very explicit, but with myself, I'll just do it <laughs> in my head. Like I have different voices. Like you know, uh, obviously, it, it just in I've been g- getting so much information, so many thoughts in all the complexities of the war in Ukraine, for example, and all the different voices within Ukraine. I just interviewed hundreds of people and they have very different perspectives in nuanced ways about the war. Uh, Some are full of hate, some are full of love, like hate for the other, love for their own country, love for family and tradition, all of it. It's a beautiful mix and I have to walk, I have to like carry those ideas in my head and empathize with them deeply and then I have to, listen to people that live elsewhere that live in India that have a very different perspective there's a lot of people in India that have a very different perspective than the people in Ukraine and so i don't know and some of that will bleed out into the thoughts i express publicly and um like when people judge you harshly for it 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 first of all me as a human being is psychologically difficult uh but also it makes me less willing to be fragile i still try to be strong enough to be fragile in front of the camera just say like say things that are on my mind even if i know it's going to create uh people that are going to be like ruthlessly negative towards me so i try to wear my heart on my sleeve and still try to be fragile but it's harder you're going to pay a psychological cost like Like I'm, you know, in some sense I try to be tough, but like I I could be a softy in that, in like certain, certain like attacks can get to me. So I'm surprised that they don't get, I mean, does some negativity get to you? Or is this the way you deal with it by responding? uh, Like that, that guy saying like, what value does talking to life add to the world?
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, but that was, I mean, that was so good. I was looking at, I was thinking at various moments you went to jump in and I was I was kind of letting, letting you speak. One of the things I wanted to mention was it's significantly simpler to talk about chess than it is to talk about some of the things you talk about. And you have a big responsibility because you have to absorb information like a sponge, but you also then need to present it in a way where you potentially have an opinion while trying to be fair to everybody. And you're talking about things that will literally never please everybody. Just literally. So you're going to talk about some issues that are going to get out there into the – people are going to watch it. The eyes, right? The ears of of millions of people. And not everybody is going to be satisfied. And these are issues where people are going to be much more likely to speak up in all sorts of ways. Tremendous support or tremendous hatred, vitriol and – God knows what else. Yeah, you you it's one of the reasons I'm I'm blown away to even be sitting here frankly because up until a few months ago you weren't talking to, you know, you I'm not saying you weren't talking to but you hadn't spoken to chess players. You were speaking to people who were doing much more substantial things in the world. I, I so appreciate was, the humility there. No, but, it, but, <laughs> but, chess to me is an incredible
0: It's a beautiful game. But I think the reason comments hurt is not
1: I mean they hurt no matter what to me. Like not to me, because to I'm in a simpler space.
0: That's so what you have to understand. It, I, I even I, if so, if it's chess-based criticism, it doesn't hit as hard.
1: No, if you had a podcast about anal beads, no, I'm just. <laughs> you had a I, podca- I'm launching this. If, if you had a podcast, <laughs> about a new podcast. Photography, you got to you got to realize like it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same way. You talk about potentially existential things. You talk about. Cyber, you know, things, things in cybersecurity, or or AI, or people who are massive uh, heads of companies that are just inherently going to be a bit more controversial. So that I can't imagine being in your shoes because you have so many complex emotions about situations where you may not necessarily agree with everything that someone has said. Publicly, but you still invite them for a conversation because they're a human being. It's totally different, not- like <laughs> don't, I, don't, I don't know.
0: I not the way I experience it. To me, I think what hurts is it's not even on my because I'm super self-critical. Usually, way more than the internet can be. It's that like human beings can be cruel to each other. So like mm-hmm. the reason it hurts for some reason, it's like this almost like this disappointment in people. They don't give each other a chance. So in that sense, the negativity doesn't have to be about Ukraine or geopolitics. It could be about the silliest of things. I see. And like, to me it's like, why, why be mean to each other? In a context where the mean doesn't, like it's out of place. Cause like for example, there is like a gaming culture where they just talk shit to each other nonstop. I think it's more acceptable there. It seems to fit. It seems to be funnier there in the, like uh, when streamers talk shit to each other i've been listening to s- several streamers recently and it's like it somehow works a little better even if they're just like cruel to each other yep yeah. it makes more sense um but i think when people are genuinely trying to educate or to help and so on and you still get the shitty comments i don't know it makes me sad
1: no yeah. it doesn't it, it it doesn't make me It doesn't make me sad. I think part of that is also the way I was brought up. So I was, I skipped kindergarten. So I was always the smallest kid and- You you were picked on? I was picked on and then I did picking. So I had kind of both in my life. I kind of know I went home from summer camp crying and I also made a kid cry once in fourth grade. Nice. So I had the balance and Uh, I- Physical or mental abuse? Or both? Verbal. Verbal. No, I didn't beat anybody up. I was tiny. I think wow. the kid in the younger grade was bigger than I was. And you still broke him. Because I was... Nah, all all I was yeah, done, like. yeah. I. <laughs> so I had to use my... Mental warfare. I had to use my words. I had to yeah. be... And growing up, I, my parents split when I was super young and I played chess. So all things that make you super self-trustworthy. Like you believe your first instinct. You don't listen to what other people tell you. And if people give you advice, say, okay, I'm going to think about that. I'm not going to go and, and do that. I wasn't impressionable. You couldn't convince me to do something. That's stuck to this day. My wife has had to deconstruct some of my stubbornness. I didn't even realize was incredible stubbornness. It's just something that you you brought up with. So to me, that stuff doesn't bother me. Uh, and it's, it's, so the voices of others don't shake you quite. They can't
0: mentally, um, shake your like psychological stability
1: no they they haven't i i think when it got probably at its worst point was in combination with being unable to perform well in over the board play but that was also self-driven i wasn't performing poorly because i was getting comments but because i was performing poorly the comments got to me more the cycle was sort of in, in the opposite direction and that that was probably the most frustrating out. People have said some vile things to me, you know, about my whole Indonesia thing. Oh, this is good. <laughs> this
0: oh. is gonna give the anarchists and Lee Chess some Oh, <clears throat> let's I... let's go Indi- What's the Indonesia thing?
1: Yeah, <laughs> the way you said it. Okay, maybe we don't want to talk about it. No, no. But it... Let's let's talk. No, about it's, it. It. it's 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 totally fine. I who did you kill? I didn't, I I was gonna say <laughs> I wish, but I'm not even sure I can make a joke like that. Yes. I uh, so the Indonesia thing was I was streaming chess Mm -hmm. on chess.com I might add (laughs) uh and I got booted up a 10 minute game just a random account from Indonesia that was the flag now mind you on these websites you can pick your flag it can be from wherever you don't it's not geo tracing you can change it I was like okay account from Indonesia and as always I looked at the account because it was a untitled high rated account and I looked through the games Win rate was suspiciously high. A- average accuracy was suspiciously high. I was like, okay, I think this is a cheater. I said it out loud. It's not the first time I've played cheaters on stream. And I said, okay, I'm still going to play. Let's see what happens. The game was not crazy suspicious, but definitely suspicious. A few critical moments where I just clearly thought I had a good position. And then the person or the bot played some move that just killed my hopes. Mm-hmm. And I lost. I was like, okay, I lost. And uh I wrote to the chess.com fair play team, like behind the scenes, I wasn't even saying anything publicly on stream, and uh a guy got banned. Mm-hmm. It was a cheater. So that night, uh, right before I'm going to sleep, because Indonesia's 12 hours ahead of New York, I'll go on my Twitter. What the hell is going on? I see hundreds of responses to my recent tweets. Levy, you gotta check Facebook, man. You gotta check Facebook. Like, so you got here's a link. So Allegedly, that account belonged to an older gentleman, and his son made a Facebook post that said, my dad played a big streamer in chess, Gotham Chess, and Gotham got mad he lost to my dad, so his community mass-reported my dad, and he was banned for cheating.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, it went viral. Oh, no. Did you know that Indonesia has the fourth-largest population in the world? I didn't know. I learned oh, it the hard way. Interesting. Tens of thousands of DMs every second. Wow. D- e- Instagram DMs, cause I had my DMs open. I was never afraid of that stuff. Uh, my YouTube videos went from 99% down upla- uh, vote uh, to 50, 50, 50. Oh wow. They swarmed my so comments. all negative. All, all like- negative. Play him again. You, you I, I mean, I, I don't know how much swearing there is on this podcast, but I mean, it was just all sorts of- All the they, fucking swearing <laughs> you are. Uh, they, just everything, ruthless, the,
0: the vicious- They go were going to their-
1: kill me. They oh. were going to rape my family. They were going to, they were contacting people I followed on Instagram. They were contacting them and telling them crazy things. It was, I'm not joking, it was tens of thousands of people every minute. It was unbelievable. And I didn't know what to do because the guy cheated. I was in the right. Yeah, people. Well, how certain were you that he cheated? Hundred percent. Okay, one hundred. I'm okay. I don't know if you can say hundred percent, but but suggest so dot com had also had a suspicion. They what? Because they
0: have like good. They have the like good detection algorithms. Yes,
1: Danny Wrench would be able to. I legitimately know nothing about the behind the scenes because it's only kind of tech people. But uh, what one thing I did not realize was that this account, whether it was the son playing or the father playing, we will not know. We don't know who played. It could have been the son. It could have been the dad covering for him, whatever. But at some point that account won 27 games in a row at 95% accuracy. I mean, even Magnus can't do that. Even, you know, uh, this took a month. This story took one month from start to finish. First, I had to work with a, like a media company to geo-block my content in Indonesia on YouTube. So Indonesians could not see my channel. Oh so you
0: you didn't want to like lean into it. Go full Donald Trump. No, no. Let's let's uh cuz you're in the right you feel like you're in the right. You as far as you know you're in the right.
1: Yeah, and I and hated like, watching all my work burn to the ground like Oh I, you
0: you felt it, it was being
1: Yeah, and I'm one thing I'm learning about myself is I'm not a good crisis actor. I need someone to like slap me so I don't do something emotional in the moment when crisis is ongoing.
0: What what would be the emotional act that's not
1: productive there? <laughs> uh, partnering with an MCN that makes you give away a bunch of your revenue, and then when you break with them, I wasn't monetized for a week. It was a very big decision to plug in I think they're called MCNs, but. What are they? Sorry, I don't. What are MCNs? They're like, we, there's, there's specialized agencies that That's work cool. behind the scenes with YouTube. Yeah. That if you connect your account, they say they can give you certain ad benefits. They can geo block your content, They which you can't do normally. They have certain perks that only YouTube allows behind the scenes. You pay them 10% of your monthly ad revenue, mm-hmm. but they claim to do a handful of things for you. I just needed them to geo block my content. I I just didn't I, did, I didn't care how much money I was uh going to give away per month. But what well, so why geo block it? You just didn't like the the downvoting.
0: Yeah, I didn't want You wanted the... positivity more like you're being educational, you're I mean, there like you do a bit of shit talking, but it's more like fun and easygoing. You didn't want this kind of viciousness.
1: Yeah, my comment section was just being completely flooded, like they were destroying my channel. And to be honest, maybe all of the views and the downvotes out of would have actually been beneficial. Maybe then my videos would have actually started getting recommended to more people. Yeah, but I'm a person. This is all goes back to the same thing. Oh, so this got to you. Yeah. This was like, I was just watching it and I'm like, this is not fair. This is, I don't don't know what to do. So I'm going to stop this as much as I can. They still got through. They have VPN. (laughs) And they were like, you asshole. You don't think we have VPN in Indonesia? It was this whole, you know, it was this whole thing. Um, This father and son got invited to every major news network. I'm not joking. They got invited to the major podcast. They like to say the Joe Rogan of Indonesia. Yeah. Daddy Corbusier is this mentalist, he's a bald guy, very fun guy, Mm -hmm. he had them. And that's when the Indonesian Chess Federation stepped in. The thing is, nobody who was harassing me knows anything about chess. Mm -hmm. They just saw the story. And uh, long story short, they brought in a sponsor. The guy played a strong, uh, one of the strongest chess players in the country who also happens to be a woman, Irene Sukandar. She's like 2,400 international master. She crushed him because his actual playing strength is $1,300, 1300 1400 you something like that he still got paid cuz there was a winning pl- prize fund and a losing prize fund and we never heard from him again and that was the whole story so that was that was why i had to shut down all of my social media to dms and dm requests and even notifications like i don't get notifications unless it's someone i follow but see
0: stuff like that does not often get resolved in this kind of clear way
1: no it doesn't could have been so you got lucky there that there's um a conclusion to this, yeah, somebody got views, somebody got money, uh, and I
0: well, never
1: got I never got many apologies. <laughs> what did you learn from that experience about yourself about about the internet? I think first and foremost, I learned that every moment you are live or broadcasting can be completely blown out of proportion. you have to be real careful and I can't actively think about that, unfortunately, even when I'm streaming. I've had other instances where things come back to bite. I've even had these moments live on stream. I feel like I said something too sarcastically to somebody and I don't know how their day is going. It might ruin their whole day. You know, God, God knows what. You have these moments of regret where you want your personality to shine through and you want to entertain. At least you're thinking at what cost? If I make a joke to a to a viewer that suddenly the whole chat is laughing at them, what if that puts them in a deep dark place? And again, it's all, it all comes back to this one on one thing for me because I'm a human. I would hate to put another person into that situation. If I would much rather get a drink with somebody than than, but it's all kind of uh, part of this act, and you want to make jokes. And I also learned I'm a horrible crisis actor. So I have no patience, but I think that's normal in 2022. Everything is immediate. Mm-hmm. We can barely sit, think, let time go by. It makes me sad because I think it, that kind of stuff can destroy
0: good people. That's what makes you sad.
1: Yeah, well, one of the things we discussed just here before recording, which I, I'm also, I've talked about this on stream, I'm very open with this type of stuff, is over the, I think for me, a lot of that comes down to just a lack of control of the of the narrative. That's That phrase is... Kind of messy. It can be used for political stuff, but I, I I hate when I say things and they get completely misconstrued or they are completely misinterpreted. And I can't imagine being in your shoes because, again, I do chess. You cannot really you can clip me saying something about a chess game out of context, and it's hilarious. You know, it, it's it's dumb. It's it's nothing. It's not an attack on on, on me or, or or something that I said. It's not an attack on kind of more more similarly to to what you were describing uh and you don't
0: I, you don't say you don't say stuff like that like ridiculous you don't say ridiculous shit about yourself oh like I, do. That. I do i do i uh, do and you don't feel like that could be
1: made I, isn't
0: this the same guy that said x
1: Maybe, maybe maybe I I either haven't said enough of those things or there's no moments in I don't have three four hour open conversations with sure. other humans and I'm pretty sure if I did there would be more of that that stuff out there, but that's uh, probably what it is. It's just a lack of it's a lack of being able to kind of control what is actually reality and and that that is very frustrating and uh, yeah
0: the, the, you, you're right I mean there is a sense that there's not enough motivation for people to attack you you're ultimately adding a lot of positive stuff to the world. And when you get into more political topics, there's people that who are hurting, who have a lot of anger in their hearts and they want to direct it towards you. So then they need ammunition and ammunition comes in the way of like clips from the past. So I'm sure that yeah. you, I'm pretty sure you already have clips like that. It's yeah. just, there's not people that really have anger to direct towards you. Ultimately you're adding a lot of good stuff stuff to the world and so yeah but it's man the the viciousness of human beings under the veil of anonymity at scale can be really painful so that that's i guess that's the curse the challenge of being a creator um on youtube and so on 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 twitch um when you talked about retiring you i I think you tweeted about retiring Mm -hmm. from chess i made a video yeah tweeted um it's my value to the world <laughs> the tweet or the video no, I just the both yeah um i'm retiring from all competitive chess events my preparation is outmatched my calculation skills are too flawed and most importantly my anxiety is beyond repair i physically and emotionally cannot do it anymore yeah. what was the hardest thing uh, what was the hardest thing about competing like can you can you elaborate on that
1: yeah I think it's separated into phases of my life. So after being a creator and coming back and playing over the board and making recaps of all my games, I think the constant feeling that I had at the board was a kid who hadn't studied enough for a test, which is a very unique type of anxiety. And during the game, it was just self-hatred, like... Good moves did not feel as good as how bad bad moves felt and bad uh, moments.
0: And, and underneath that, you're saying there's a sense that I did not prepare well enough. Uh,
1: un- unquestionably. So my I'm an international master, but there's international masters now who are 11. I got the title when I was 22, which is late. It might not sound like it's late, but it, it's really late. And I quit chess multiple times when I was a teenager. If I hadn't, one of my parents was like, sit down. This is the only thing that you're good at. Focus on it. Yeah. Maybe I would have been a grandmaster, but that's, that's life, right? And I would come back to chess at various points in my life when I felt more mature, I felt more ready, and I felt more motivated. It was all me. I never – I had – one coach, when I was maybe about ten, I never listened to the guy. Great guy. Like, he emailed me even recently, just wanting to catch up, which I thought was adorable because I'm not—I like, don't, don't even know if he knows that YouTube Chess exists. He's in his seventies. He's just—he's just like a nice older guy. Yeah. Um, and he would come to my house. We would have dinner. And my grandma would make us food, and he would tell her that I'm brilliant, but I never work, <laughs> and I have so much potential. If only I ever worked at all, one minute on anything. I just played speed games online and.
0: And well, I, did, he, did he speak the truth there? Like, could you have worked more?
1: I could have worked more for sure, yeah, absolutely. When you
0: listen to Magnus who doesn't, he seems like he doesn't work either.
1: He works. Uh, he might work in different ways, but I, I think for him it's also uh, obsession, again, love. It's it's everything. It's He might read a book, he doesn't consider it work. Hmm. It's work, he's getting information in and he's learning something. It might just be easier for him to learn than for me, for example, or for anybody, just everybody learns and absorbs things differently. So I I would come back to chess and the best run of my life that I had was in 2016, where I basically, while teaching a chess program, Scholastic chess program, I told all the parents, hey, so for these four months, I am going to stop doing private lessons and I'm gonna go travel and play tournaments because I wanna become an international master finally. Mm-hmm. I'm 20 years old, this is in 2016, like, can can you help me raise some money? These are all managing directors. These are lawyers. These are seven-figure, eight-figure households. And they contributed and I kept a blog. And then I worked just six hours, seven hours every day, like studying all the opening trends, uh, all of the new ideas, reading the books, analyzing my own games, playing my own speed games and analyzing them, training every day. And that year I went from 2240 over the board to 2404 with two of the three norms, as they call them, which are basically tournament performances. Mm -hmm. Like you perform at a certain level, not too complicated. So I I got almost everything I needed to be an IM, Mm -hmm. but I just slipped up at the very end. And 2017, I didn't play chess, but in 2018, I came back once again with a vengeance. I started playing in the summer once again, and I went up, up, up to my peak. But then something interesting happened. My life mission was accomplished. I never wanted or thought I could be a grandmaster. Yeah. I wanted to be an international master. And the adrenaline dump of hitting the IM title, I just stopped working completely. I just completely stopped working. I, I couldn't. And the second I started falling, I couldn't stop. Yeah. And I spent the rest of the summer just tanking ah fuck this i made my i made my i am i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck off someplace and whatever i'll be i am it doesn't matter Uh, but when i play games online i mean i destroy grandmasters all the time like dynamically dynamics in chess are just complex positions with all sorts of calculation attacking defending like very forcing lines i think it's my best strength i think i'm easily grandmaster level
0: so that you have the capacity to be grandmaster 100% like
1: if i could, if, the,
0: if the work was put in
1: if the work was put in and i, ha- I was not doing my current career if i just trained full time i think i could do it
0: do you have a desire to be grandmaster did you have a desire you said i didn't really want like the main goal mm-hmm. was in, international master which by the way is a really interesting just I've, I've talked to olympic athletes the crash after the gold medal it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I didn't
1: get gold, but for me, that was my but goal. That was your goal. That was I mean, my it doesn't goal. matter. It's
0: the goal. Yep. Uh it takes a very, very special person to not be destroyed by the gold mm-hmm. and continue the dominance.
1: Yeah.
0: It's to, to continue growing, to continue. I mean, it's hard to that's why they talk about it's hard to be a champion and defend your championships. Or whatever yep. the goal is, to, to achieve the goal and stick to like um. Yeah, it yeah, broke me. It broke you. Yep. So you have the capacity to be a grandmaster. Have you ever thought, by the way, is there still possible for you or are you fully dedicated now to the love of creating and analyzing this I, game?
1: I don't think I'm going to do what I do right now forever. So- Well, you're gonna die one day, right. just a heads up. Yes, 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 yes. I once cried when I realized that it was at a funeral. It was very sad. That's another entirely separate rabbit hole to go down. When What's, which is when? Uh, what when, age? when did this happen? Yeah, just a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, it was right. So you really were able to like, like that. The realization really hit you. Like, fuck, this this ends.
1: Yeah, I'm the kind of person who I have my active thoughts in my brain of things I have to get done, and the more of those, the better. Because I'll, my brain will walk me off a cliff. Not. The physical body, the brain itself will walk off a cliff uh, spinning in circles. So I try to keep myself as active as possible on tasks I have to do. It's good and I'm busy. It's good I'm at the scale I am because you can't really rest a whole lot. But yes, that was, I have these moments in my life where I have realizations of past fuck-ups or things I ha- like I really have to do that I've been like really doing poorly or things like this. Mm-hmm. Massive existential things that, just hit me like a just like a bus. There's several things tricky about it.
0: So, because I meditate on death a lot, like in this conversation, I imagine this is the last thing both you and I do. Just, and we're going to die after this. So, you meditate on that. But then you also have to. I think what hits people really hard is the realization that life moves on. Not only does it just end for you, but m- most people be like. Um, they'll, you know, in your case, they'll tweet. It's like, oh, he's so great. There'll be so much outpouring. (laughs) There'll be outpouring of love and so on for a day, and then it moves on. Yeah. And the, you know, the new trees grow, new uh, bridges are built. And then eventually, human civilization ends, or moves over to Mars, and so on. Yeah. And you'll be forgotten completely. Yeah. That, but that—that that for most people will come right away. Like you, you get a cancer diagnosis or something like that, and it's like, doesn't anyone else know that I'm going to die? Does anyone else care? Yeah. Like nobody gives a shit. I mean, they do. I mean, there's love there, but like not in in a dramatic way that you would somehow deep inside hope for, that the world would stop because your life is facing this catastrophic event, so. But I think ultimately what you could channel that realization into appreciation of the current moment, it's just the people you love and sharing love with them as intensely as possible, experiencing every moment as intensely as possible because eventually there'll be a last moment and after that there'll be no more moments.
1: That's sort of what I do. Yeah, yeah. I try to channel all of that into, sorry, I don't use these fancy microphones uh, in, in my own. You look uncomfortable. It's not your this?
0: fault. It's not your fault, Levy. With this microphone? No, with this with this line of conversation.
1: Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm
0: playing therapist.
1: I don't know if I'm uncomfortable. I just, I don't know if I have a lot to say. I'm, sometimes I just listen. Yeah. Like, sometimes I'm intimidated. You, you say a lot of good things, and yeah. I'm like, shit, what am I going to say, like, at the end yeah. of it? The... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <But> on, <laughs> gonna... on this subject especially, I'm like, that's sort of what There's I... There's
0: nothing. Right, what do you think uh, happens after we die? Oh, man. No, that's a rhetorical question. What were we talking about? Grandmaster. <laughs> Grandmaster. So... Yeah. Uh, how hard is it to reach? What, what are the what are the requirements for Grandmaster? By the way, because yeah, and what are the requirements for International Master? You mentioned a few requirements and so on.
1: Yes. So the first one is you have to know how to use a Shure mic and an arm. Um slowly. You were learning. impressed by the Shure microphone, by the way. For the for people listening, we're using this
0: uh, SM Shure SM7B that a lot of podcasters use. I don't, don't know why. And Michael uh, Jackson on Thriller, which grimes told me really that's what i think it looked a little different but it's it's the same wow uh, underneath it a few musicians used it in studio i don't know where it became popular as a as a podcasting microphone because i think most broadcasters use condenser mics
1: that look like really fancy yeah this looks a little No, this one's great it sounds really really good and i told you before that i wanted to use it but it requires a external dashboard of some sort and i'm Way too lazy to learn how to do it, and my microphone doesn't sound that bad for YouTube and for for Twitch. But this is a long term. I still have to
0: figure out how to stream stuff.
1: i not. I haven't figured that out because you, uh, you want to go down into the world of Twitch. No, I don't. Okay, I don't. You just want to learn how to do it, just uh, in case. Uh, no, for uh, no, not Twitch. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> do you know what we have over there? <laughs> so first of all, yes, it is. It's like uh, a. <laughs> I feel like the hobbit going into like mortar. Like, I, 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 th- yeah, th- Twitch is a, is, a, is a very intense world. But the w- there is useful cases when you should have your microphone work with like the different, pro- the processing chain work in real time. Mm. So you can do like interviews. And also I play video, I try to play a video game once a month. <laughs> so um, I've done that like three times already uh so stream that kind of stuff for like for like an hour um like play skyrim i like i love playing skyrim i actually love the idea i haven't done that yet but apparently in skyrim you can turn off the monsters and you can just walk around so i love the idea of just walking around skyrim for a couple hours and just like cuz it's beautiful nature i see have you do you know anything about those uh i know very i know,
1: I, know, I know i know little about skyrim uh but so it's it's kind
0: of like chat no <laughs> yeah it's it's just beautiful worlds so um there's games that are able to create this sense of you know the way you feel when you go hiking a sense of nature yeah there it's not that they're ultra realistic but they capture some majestic aspect of nature i think some of it is also music something peaceful mm-hmm. it's like old timey uh medieval type of music And just the trees, like the wind, like, and you could, and then there's in the, in the distance, there's the mountains and you can like, you have a sense of history that the nature gives you. You have a sense of space, like this, you're like this tiny little creature and there's this big world all around you. I don't know how video, that's like an art for a video game to create that. It's not just about the monsters in front of you. It's about this world and this feeling of a world. So I can just walk around and enjoy it.
1: I get asked this question a lot, why don't why don't I stream more video games? Yes. And I didn't know that such video games first of all existed. I thought it was mostly just various sci-fi-ish characters and shooting and oh, objective. Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played Overwatch on stream. It's the it's the only video game I actually played a lot and got decent at and I couldn't play it on stream anymore because my teammates would use racial slurs in the voice chat. Yeah. So that is, I will. Uh, is,
0: <laughs> one of the, because I've been thinking of talking to a few uh, streamers and they do, they're a little bit, I, I don't know as far as, they the, the, that community broadly does use racial slurs and seem to make them okay. Uh, but for the ones I would talk to, are a little bit, they're just harsh in general in, in the intensity of language. And I, I don't know what to feel like. I don't want to be the guy who says, like, kids these days with their, mm-hmm with their mean language on the internet. Like you want to kind of adapt to the different communities. Uh, but at the same time, there is, there's lines that you can cross, right? Like if you make everything into a joke, because that's what they kind of do. Everything ends in LOL, everything is funny. yeah, And that becomes, uh, once again, a lubricant that uh, it's like a slippery slope that takes you to a place where you actually make pretty um, mean ideas, even evil ideas, okay, because it starts as a joke. And so, I mean, you start getting into the territory of, I mean, because I've been reading a lot on Hitler and, and Stalin and so on, and you'll see those kinds of topic come up in that community and it's like, oof, they have a very different perspective on that stuff. Uh, to them, it's just a fun, fun joke, fun time, and I, I and I see that the contrast of that with Call of Duty, where you're sh- where you're shooting, and I I love shooting and killing things in video games, but there's a slippery slope there too because then just having visited the front in Ukraine, you get to see the real killing of people, and you see how one can lead to another. It it's non obvious, but there's, a there's something that happens in video games where you're like, well, this is not reality. The same kind of things happens in war. Well, the people on the other side aren't really human. It it does become a kind of video game. And that that same mechanism, I feel like I want to be cautious about our brain going down that road. So yeah, I, I, I do worry about that community. Um, but there are video games that don't have such communities around them. I think Skyrim, I don't think Skyrim is an online component. of people. Minecraft, people
1: I think, is relatively civil from what I've seen. Interesting. A good community. I think it's a lot, of, a lot of, right now it's booming. It's a lot of young creators who are all seemingly quite close. Yeah. And I think the community then extends to social media. Some of them are intense, but who isn't? And uh, I, think, I think they foster a more or less kind of good group of folks, but no, I, I, I completely agree. I think a lot of that stuff, and combined with the anonymity stuff that we mentioned earlier, totally dehumanizes the way people interact with each other and it's, it's scary, I don't, I don't know. Combine that with two years of some people barely going outside, yeah, it's with not COVID, a, yeah, it's not a good mix. It's not a good mix at all. I mean, you'd like to think that
0: folks, it's like in their teenage years, kind of go through those and they mature out of it and stuff. So they, 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 they start to realize the weight of their words. Like that's my hope. But we're all trying to figure that out. How the internet has changed youth, like easy access to porn, easy access to like some dark communities, yeah, where dark ideas uh, breed. I don't know. But then again, I trust in the goodness and the intelligence of people at the end of the day. And I think kids will, <laughs> now I sound like an old man, but it's, it's good for kids to play with different ideas and then they grow out of it, uh, hopefully. But then you have to have parents and good school and like good friends that kind of call them out and they're bullshit. You need that. If you're stuck in, inside mm-hmm. under anonymity, maybe you don't have some of those signals. Because these uh, I, days with their yeah. internet.
1: I had to go through this. That's kind of what I what I mentioned. So I, I didn't have two divorced. I, my, my parents were divorced. I didn't have uh, two households. I had three. So I had- What was the third one? So I went to school most of my childhood in a town where my grandmother lived. And she was kind of like the Switzerland. So I would be with her and my mom would come with me there uh, half the week. Dad would take me to his place for the other half of the school week. And they, my parents would split weekends. My mom's weekends were in New York, where she, my stepdad was, and that that family. So three houses. So grandma, your dad, and, and then yeah. mom. So step-siblings, yep. there and there, new people, there and there, extended family, there and there. And also at grandma's where I would come anytime I had a conflict and when I was 12 and 13 and being just a total lunatic, emotional manipulator of all folks in my family, you know, just teenager rebelling and also having to deal with three different households. And I mean, I carried a backpack, the same backpack, literally that I, not the physical one, but what's inside of it that I carried. uh, Like when I came here to record the episode and, and have my stuff in the hotel, a backpack with a laptop, a bunch of clothes, a bunch of other things that I need throughout the week deodorant, things like that. I mean, of course you, you start getting that stuff in all all, all the houses, but the, that was the way I lived for some of the most important developmental years of my life. And who knows if I had too much of what we're describing, one sprinkle of this too much, one sprinkle of this too much, if I had someone influence me in a negative way. Luckily I managed to steer clear a lot of, of a lot of it. And-
0: Yeah, how did you not get into trouble with the internet? Meaning like how did you know. what was your experience with the internet so i I was having a, to move a lot, having to have multiple hu- households just psychologically different
1: difficult upbringing i yeah it was it was extremely tough i it's hard to speak about it now because I'm in a completely different mental state. I don't even remember some of like those moments, but it's almost I, like a different person yeah exactly that's exactly how it feels but i I remember. I had a big video game addiction, just like most teenagers. I want to say teenagers, but probably teenage boys, but i'm not i don't know i I don't know how addicted teenage girls are to to video games yeah I, sure I didn't data on that. I definitely look back on things that I did in certain instances, like well, I was a teenager. That was stupid. Oh, I scammed somebody in some video game. Oh, that was, you know, I uh, was, wow, that's hilarious. Like, and, and just, uh, I was, a t- it was just an idiot teenager. Like, I didn't do anything unforgivable, luckily. And for the most part, just kind of went about my life. And I somehow got older and started getting more independent and stopped playing video games. And to be honest with you I, I I would love to sit here and say I have some sort of logical explanation of why I am the person I am today but I think you need elements of the right upbringing and support system as you said and you also need luck you just I've been in some situations as a teenager where I almost got <laughs> I almost got killed by some gang members that's a very exaggerated story, but I was in a park in New York City and I got into it with a kid whose brother was in a notorious gang of that neighborhood. And he told me he, his brother was going to come and, and kill me, basically, over a stolen basketball. And I was, I was going to fight this kid because I was 14. You know, he stole my basketball. Of course I'm going to fight this kid. This kid was like 12. He had a pierced tongue. Yeah. Like, this wasn't a joke. <laughs> yeah. This kid was from a totally different way of life and his brother did show up. But his brother was like, I'm like, what's this kid's like, I was a I was a little teenager. I wasn't a big now 14 year olds are 6 feet tall, maybe something would have happened to me. But I was a little kid. And it's yeah. like Bro, but looking back at that is crazy because I definitely had some of these moments in New York City more than anywhere else cuz it's such a big place, but luck? You need some you need some luck. Yeah, the, it's it's kind of
0: funny that there's certain moments in life on which the entire trajectory of your life can turn. Yeah. And then they're all, all like in that case nothing happened. But, you know, I, I most intensely feel this when I get almost run over by a car kind of thing.
1: How many it, times have you almost get run over <laughs> I don't
0: know. Maybe it happened like twice in my life. Oh, okay, okay. That kind of stuff. Like when uh, somebody runs a red light. Yeah. That, that happened to me here in Austin. Uh, you realize, oh, shit, that was...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like your life flashes before your eyes. And th- those moments can turn. And then there's more meeting certain people where you meet them and the, for the positive they're like wow this um this moment of inspiration like wow this is possible wow this this kind of person can exist maybe i can be that kind of person too so yeah those things can like change the direction but maybe not maybe they just reveal something that was already there and the momentum is always carrying you forward into a thing that you are always going to end up in mm-hmm. yeah i wonder about that um speaking of teens doing stupid things. Let's return to the <laughs> yes. Magnus Hans saga. I
1: know, yeah. Uh, how
0: did it start? Who is Hans Niemann? Who is Magnus Carlsen? How did it
1: start? There's three games. It started in Miami. Yeah, so. a, a good a, a good background story is Magnus Carlsen is the arguable greatest player of all time. Very close, I would say, to to Garry Kasparov, world number one for now over 10 years. At the top champion. of his game, you think? like close to the top of his game right now after the most recent thing yes i think he has the uncanny ability of top athletes to absorb the bullshit <laughs> and show oh yeah dad's home now yeah you know <laughs>
2: yeah
1: run i was only trying 70 percent before <laughs> that you know and and i think that's what he i think i really think that's what he showed i was in awe i i if Magnus is playing in a tournament, yes, it's good for views to put him in my YouTube thumbnails and make the video title about him if he does something brilliant. But I was legitimately just blown away. It wasn't even, wasn't farming him for content. It was, this is unbelievable what he's doing to people. Uh, and he has a point to prove. Hans is a, I believe he's 19 years old right now. He's an American, I don't know if prodigy is necessarily the right word. Prodigies, you, you know, they're prodigies from very, very young. You don't, in chess, you don't become a prodigy at 18. But he was always a good junior player. He was always a very unique character. Like, I met Hans when he was 11, 12 years old. He was this little kid, just trash-talking folks at the Marshall Chess Club. And he already had a reputation, literally. Yeah, like, yeah. he had a reputation with, with, with counselors. with like. And the truth is, I was similar. Yeah. I was kicked out of chess camp by one of the best chess grandmasters of all time, Artur Yusupov. I was in a chess camp when I was nine years old. What'd you do? I was just an asshole. Yeah, I was too strong, so I helped other people with all their work. I was. And you loud. let your ego shine. Yeah, I was a kid. I mean, I wouldn't. Well, you don't. Not every kid lets their ego
0: shine, but some do. Oh yes, you I, did. Yeah. Uh, Hans does. Like, there's interviews when he's young. Yeah. Or like he's kind of yes sh- talking shit, but it's yeah. entertaining. Yes.
1: What I try to stay away from is just. Yes, I let my ego shine, but I don't think I even knew what any of that was when I was ah. younger. Yeah, so it's just sort of, I was just I was just a loud, boisterous kid from a household where I wasn't paid attention to because I had three of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I just was like, here's where I'm going to show up and get my attention. And Artur Yusupov, I mean, he's a great, great man. I drove that man crazy. He was like top five in the world at some point in the 80s and 90s. He said, it's either me or this kid Oh, wow. That's so what, you really got to him. Yes. He said, I'm not going to come back and teach camps unless it's me. And I remember like going through this. I have very vague, distant memories of this. My dad calling, apologizing. Yeah. And Did it uh, make you
0: feel good that you got to a grandmaster?
1: No, I felt horrible. Oh. I felt guilty. I feel guilty my whole life about it. I very rarely feel proud of bad things or I uh, showed them.
2: Yeah. Even
1: things, it's, it gets to the point you feel guilty about things you didn't do. That's when, <laughs> that's when your brain really goes crazy.
0: Yeah. I'm with you on that. So, okay, so you can uh, relate to, to Hans. Hans. To, yeah. Yes,
1: to young Hans. And he was like in and out of chess. This is what I remember. He was around the rating of 2,300. And I remember looking at some of his games in a tournament in Philadelphia. And I was like, there was some game that he played and he didn't know the opening. It was like a London, which is a very popular opening, some theoretical line. I looked at it and like, Whoa, he he didn't know that? Okay, that's crazy. And then I just kind of walked by. And I saw him in a tournament a few months later, and he did something very rare where in an open tournament, not a tournament of 10 players where everybody plays everybody, open tournament, randomized pairings depending on how many points you have, he played nine grandmasters, which is crazy. That means he was performing so well, so consistently, that was where he got his first I am norm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here it is. Here comes that like boom of a young player where he gets mature, he gets back into the game, and he gets stronger. I don't follow a whole lot. Pandemic happens. And he starts streaming a bit and he's he's boisterous. He's he's kind of like loud, he's talking trash, and he's gaining rating constantly. He's just but so are a lot of people. So you don't think much of it. And then now you can go play over the board again, live tournaments, face to face, as opposed to online events. And he's like, I'm gonna go to this tournament, I'm gonna win it. I'm gonna get my last GM norm. And he does. And then he's like, All right, my goal is this rating by the end of this year. He gets it. He just demolishes absolutely everybody. And you're like, This guy's over the board. Over the board. You're like, This guy's for real. There's a lot of people like that. If you look at the top juniors of the world, it's crazy. Ali Reza Faruja, 2,800. Vincent Keimer, twenty seven hundred. A bunch of kids from India, twenty seven hundred. Similar age or younger, usually little, one or two years younger, maybe yeah. maybe a little older by a year. But it's just this wave, and you're just hyped for the guy. Yeah, like this is this is fucking awesome. Like we got we got a young American guy who shit talks every time he's on camera, and he beats everybody he plays. But then you start hearing sprinkles here and there, maybe in some stream. Oh, I think he he doesn't he doesn't get to play on chess.com anymore. Yeah. Like com doesn't put that badge there on the account sometimes. Sometimes they just tell the player, listen, we know. And the player's like, all right, you got me. And that's it. There's no conversation. So there's like these sprinkles, but people cheat online, especially when they're young. It's very, you, you know, it's very captivating. It's a very yeah. nice thing to do. Just to be clear, I mean, just to make explicit that the accusation, and I, I
0: think it's proven, but they're still being shady about it to the degree it's done, is that he cheated on chess.com when he was 12. 12 and and 16, 16.
1: that's what he said. That's what he said. That's what he admitted to, but right now chess.com put out a statement, and now Magnus put out a statement as well saying, we think it's more than that.
0: Yeah, I've talked to Danny because he wants to come on the podcast, which I'm actually kind of interested in. I think he's a, a cool person. Um. And they're also doing some really interesting anti-cheating stuff, which mm-hmm. to me, from an algorithmic perspective, is interesting. But he is also the man. Like, there's always in every field, there's the institution. <laughs> so he represents the institution because Chess. dot com is the institution. It's like in the Olympic, it's it's the IOC. It's like I'm I'm you know I have to be I have to be careful.
1: Um well, no, in Chess, FIDE is the institution. FIDE, okay. Yeah, but, but Chess.com. They've outgrown way more people actually know Chess.com. Way more people know me. Way more people know Hikaru. It's one of the reasons it's interesting that- interesting where the power lays. Yeah. Who has the most power? Interesting. Yeah, Chess.com has the most power, which well, probably- I don't
0: know, maybe you and Hikaru do. No. Um, to steer public opinion, you know?
1: It's a very good question. I have to think with my evil cap now. What would happen if? I'd rather you have the
0: evil cop than than Hikaru, because I feel like he would really, you know, the <laughs> the power absolute. If the two of you ruled the world, it'd be a problem.
1: You mean side by side or uh, rivals? the opposite?
0: Yeah, it would be like yeah, it, it, as rivals, there would definitely be a war. It's so on one of the reasons three. I would
1: I, I would I would not chessbox him.
0: Do you guys? How much do you like each other? Or I mean, do you admire each other as fellow um as? I'll tell you how I feel. I don't so know. entertaining.
1: Um, well, should, we should finish Magnus Hans. Yes, that's, then we should. Yes, yes. yes, that's that's con- con- yes, yes I know. It's. Yes. it's see, I feel like just inside we don't want to talk about it because it feels like it's been talked about so much. I'm. Gonna, I'm trying to give. No, a very... for you. Just
0: remember. I, for me, it's even. It's much less. Yeah, and for the, and listener, for, the it might also, be zero. for the listener, zero. Yeah, right. yeah. So like a, uh, like Rogan asked me like so what, what what's this?
1: I know I heard him even talking. What, what's this chess? You know Joe talked about the Indonesia thing. Oh, in he some, did. In some super random small thing. And that was a very you know, funny moment for that, me. I told him about this
0: drama yeah. a few weeks ago. And then he's like, yeah, this is interesting. Is the anal bees? is that possible? Is that good? I was yeah. like, yeah, I think it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember how drunk he was. But this, so even, you know, he's curious. He doesn't really know. But anyway, cheating when he was 12, when he was 16. Right. As he said, he admitted. Yes to cheating online when he was 12 and 16. Yes,
1: but for timeline's sake, let's just let's just do it this way. He has a lot of over the board success, but nobody really talks about the online cheating stuff. It's sort of kind of kept low key, a couple hundred people, maybe a couple thousand people, which sounds like a lot, but it's not because there's millions of viewers know about this. It's generally kept kind of low key because historically if you cheated online as a teenager, you're not cheating over the board. It's not possible. You will get caught. Nobody has ever attempted it. We've had over the board cheaters, but not at the ultra elite level. And so what happens is they play this tournament in Miami. And the first day Hans loses 3-0. This is important because on the very next day, it's not like Hans was destroying every everything. The second day of the tournament, he sits down game one versus Magnus. In their best of four, and destroys him, like he destroyed him. Made it look like I was playing in Magnus's shoes. You know the level difference. It wouldn't have even like he. It wasn't close. Of course, we can argue it might be because of the maybe Magnus knew something ahead of time. There's obviously the psychological element. Not not important. Hans leaves. They say. Interviewer says. Hans yesterday, by the way, horribly phrased interview question he goes ma uh, he goes uh, hans, yesterday was uh, terrible for you <laughs> and today you start with a masterpiece. What do you have to say? chess speaks for itself, walks away yeah. argue, you can argue, it's cringe, you can argue, I thought it was cool, and then the the guy the guy then keeps asking a question with his arm extended because he's so shocked he doesn't know what to do, right. like he he didn't even occur to him how ridiculous it looked mm-hmm. to be asking, and then not only does Hans come back and loses the best of four. He loses like two more games or maybe three. I think he loses the next three games. He then proceeds to lose every single best of four match for the rest of the tournament. He ends with zero points and a prize money of zero dollars. They put up the graphic and he put Neiman zero. I think he got some minimum, right? So it's like, wow, this is like insane. This guy comes out with this crazy interview and... In my recap videos, I was like, the next time Hans has success, he has to stay away from the cameras. Don't let him talk. Just don't let him talk. It's going to be bad luck. You know, I'm joking around. Like, next time he plays, it's crazy. He's going to – so that was, the, that was their kind of first interaction there. They also – there were some photos. They were having fun playing on the beach. I don't know where they had a chessboard on the beach. Chess players are such – Magnus and Hans? Yeah. They were, so they were still getting along. I guess so, yeah.
0: It's interesting because I talked to him at that time. Would he have mentioned something? Right. I wonder what he would would have said if I asked him about Hans, because that was clueless. Did Did anyone care nobody, about Hans? No, 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 nobody. No, no, no.
1: Hans is not a super known entity, right? He, he became yes. much more known. He became probably a top five all time popular chess player in the last three weeks.
0: Yeah. So it's it's not. It wasn't. It wouldn't even be a worthy question.
1: No, unless, uh, you you don't know. Maybe Magnus already kind of knew. A lot of the top players it seems are coming out now and saying we already were suspicious.
0: And it seems like Magnus might have known, but maybe not enough to address it. Uh, he still uh, might not be willing to address it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so like, so, so yeah, so totally horrible
1: tournament performance after. Correct.
0: Uh, after Hans yes.
1: beat Matt. Then the annual tradition of the St. Louis tournaments happens, which is a strong field of players first for a fast tournament, rapid and blitz, and a classical tournament. And the classical tournament is the Singfield Cup. It's the it's named after Rex Singfield, billionaire chess philanthropist. Uh, and, and it's like Saint Louis Chess Club. It's yes. like a prestigious place. It's This whole and the yeah. host of a prestigious tournament. Hall of Fame is there for chess. I don't know if it's U.S. Hall of Fame or worldwide Hall of Fame, but. Yeah, it's, it's other the other countries
0: play chess. I didn't.
1: They do, but you know, yeah. we will. I I don't know who determines where the Hall of Fame gets to be. If we say it's the Hall of Fame, okay. What yeah. <laughs> one day some other part of the world is going to be like? Actually, it's over here. Yeah. So basically, what happens is we have a field set for the Singfield Cup. Set. It's the top ten players in the world. Some can't make it, so okay, you get number eleven in there or something. One of them can't come because of. Something related to coronavirus. It's not, It's not. now we're going to get a little asterisk on Spotify because it was mentioned. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> get more info about COVID-19. Uh, so I don't know why he couldn't come, but he couldn't come. Okay, something happens. He can't make it. Hans Nieman is the replacement. Yeah. At the time, we didn't know this, but now weeks later, we knew Magnus wanted to not play. This is very important. Back then, we didn't know. Apparently, some other top players also didn't want to play. They also were suspicious. They also wanted increased anti cheating measures, which, by the way, in chess are dog shit. Like, you give this little metal wand and uh, you put it on the little ears, body, and there's apparently an argument a micro earpiece would not be caught, something in the armpit vibrating would not be caught, something in the shoe. They don't make the players take their shoes off because it's too elitist. You, how are you going to make players take their shoes off? That's, oh my God. But if, these things are out there, or if anything was inside any other orifice. Correct. Yes, I have to bring that. I up mean, just I mean that f- it, to truth. be honest. Yes, that, that 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 is very truthful. Uh So, if,
0: if nothing else, this podcast is about honesty and truth. So Correct. I have to be complete, Thank
1: and you. transparency. So, what ends up happening in the Singfield Cup is Magnus ends up still playing, but the anti-cheat measures are not introduced. So the first few games. Hans has a very, very impressive first round game against Levon Aronian, one of the best players in the world. Okay, draw. He was pushing, draw. Second game, demolishes like a, like a top player. Mohamed Yarov crushes him. Dominant opening, but not like a perfect game. You understand? Like It, it was, it was uh, he made some inaccuracies here and there and he ended up winning in a complex game. As game three happens versus, uh, versus Magnus. And uh, not only does he beat Magnus with the black pieces, he dominates him from start to finish. So in the opening, Magnus played something with White that he had maybe played once or twice before. There was some big debate about it. I'm not going to get into it. Basically a very niche, small thing that just he had never played in maybe a long game before with some sprinkled-in venom that might get Hans mm-hmm. off guard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hans proceeds to play like the first 15, 20 moves absolutely perfectly and then converts the game into a slightly better endgame and squeezes Magnus to death. Basically beats Magnus with black, which nobody had done in years, the same way Magnus would have beaten other players. Then he goes and gives this interview which where he claims that he had looked at those first 15, 20 moves right before the game, basically. He got or lucky. Didn't he say he looked at something sim- very similar? No, no. He It was it oh. was either similar or, or literally that exact that. variation, which is possible. Yeah. I've done that before. One of my best wins of my life. That morning I went, you know, I'm not prepared. What if my opponent plays this Queen's Gambit accepted variation? Mm-hmm. And I literally learned the first 12 moves. He didn't know move 12. I killed him. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, it just happens. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately... When you combine that with other small elements of the interview, and now there's body language experts going all on, on this, it was odd. He gave an interview afterwards about, explaining, his, uh, but, explaining various details of the game. But not really explaining them. That's the thing. The standard chess player interview is you sit down and you go, something about the opening, something about not, oh yeah, I looked at this right before the game. And then you explain various symphonies and, 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 and mm-hmm. compositions of variations, things that went through your head, things you were evaluating. But Hans's interviews are different. So everything about him as a chess player already yeah. is different, and his interviews are extremely strange and also different. Yeah. That's fine. But not when you combine it then with the world champion withdrawing right after you beat him mm-hmm. and ghosting the entire chess world.
0: Yeah, so there, <laughs> there's a, for people who haven't listened to it, there's a kind of sloppiness
1: to the way he analyzes
0: the game, like uh, he's like, oh yeah, 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 like it's very,
1: um, because it's very obvious. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm just completely so, winning here.
0: Yeah, I'm completely winning here, and it's like, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I just played perfect. I, I played perfect. Like, there's a sense of like, but it also doesn't, for me, again, a very outside spectator, it doesn't raise any red flags. That's just his personality. He seems to really like to talk this way. And plus, this could be crazy, uh, but do you have a sense that he's more of an intuitive player versus, like, he's just not the kind of person that analyzes really well? Or is that that a ridiculous notion?
1: Well, let's put it this way. To succeed legitimately, because obviously this is a cheating scandal at the end of the day, at the 2750-82800 level, the upper echelon of chess, you cannot be an intuitive player. You can be a little bit more intuitive than a calculator Mm -hmm. and a concrete evaluator of positions. Meaning if I give you five seconds to play a move, you're gonna choose the best move quickly. Those people are generally better at fast time controls, but you have to be good at everything. And what raised red flags in this interview was the fact that it was different than every other interview any human being ever gave at that level of chess, particularly after beating Magnus for the first time as a teenager, mm-hmm. which is a very small group of people. Just, so that's where it got weird. And the very next day Magnus withdraws from the event. Chess World lights completely on fire for multiple weeks and he also tweets. Right. That the, yeah, that same
0: was... t- that's the resignation. No. Resignation. The tweet was
1: I'm withdrawing from the tournament in St. Louis. I've always enjoyed playing here and I will in the future. And then it's a clip of Jose Mourinho. I cannot speak. I choose not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. I don't want to be in big trouble. Yeah. And that that's some people nuts. Like people said it's not even a cheating insinuation, which was one of the theories. Another theory was someone in team Magnus told Hans what Magnus was looking at. And that's why Hans learned those first 15 moves which is so fucking stupid because mm-hmm. Magnus knows like five people. <laughs> not, in, not in his life, but his team is five. Yeah, it's people. very close-knit group. Right, yeah. but to the outsider, that sounds like a very legitimate theory. How, could, how else can you explain? Hans said he knew before the game what was going to happen. Magnus senses a mole. He's not, no. By the way, just, just, to, uh, just so uh, I know,
0: like if that was, forget the cheating aside, if you knew, doesn't matter how, the opening your opponent is going to do, they prepared. Is that a significant help to you?
1: If that opening is ultra sharp and requires basically the game to be on a knife's edge. Yeah. Yes. Meaning one mistake from can be fatal. Because then you can look up what the engine says. And yeah, you can, you can know everything. You can know all the possibilities. So even if your opponent goes off that engine path, you will know how to punish it. In this case... What happened basically was Magnus played a line that if completely optimally punished, would have given Hans a slightly better position. And that's what happened. But then he also demolished him in that later phase of the game.
0: Yes, and then, okay. So uh, Magnus resigns, goes silent, the chess world goes
1: crazy. Mm. Uh, What else is interesting in that period of time? Hans's fourth round game of that tournament, right after beating Magnus, was also just absolutely genius. Just an absolutely brilliant game, which he failed to win. But then after that game, he also gives once again another interview where he's like, This game was absolutely genius. Like, this was, I was just killing him from start to finish. And like, there was a moment he literally says, Oh, yeah, just gave him a piece, like a full piece, which is a substantial advantage to the other side. And he starts explaining why the position is winning, but in words, not in chess moves, not in specific concrete chess moves, which is the way you're supposed to if you understand the position, right? So now there's this new theory that's being cultivated of The interviews are going to be used as the evidence. And beyond round four, he just played like a, a, a good grandmaster. Mm-hmm. And he lost two or three games, maybe maybe two games, and he drew the rest. So he didn't win again. And he beat in the first two out of his first three games. He beat Mamedyarov. Yarev. He beat Carlson. Mm-hmm. And he also went on the attack himself. He That was when he publicly admitted to cheating in an interview that he gave to the St. Louis Chess Club. That's when he said he has never cheated over the board. Then he said... Chess.com has banned me from the global championship which is what I was invited to to play privately they banned me they didn't even ban me publicly mm-hmm. and then he said and Hikaru is uh, is 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 on Twitch every day you know saying things about me this and that and since then nothing tournament finishes somehow i don't know how we got to the end of the tournament i really thought that it was going to get called off but tournament ends Hans hasn't said anything since then. Mm-hmm. So
0: Has he still said, was, when was the last time you said that? was
1: that? the last text, uh, tweet that he sent, September 7th. He said, Hikaru wants to play the victim, something like this.
0: They faced each other again mm-hmm. recently. When was What was that about?
1: They played in the online event of this uh, Meltwater Champions chess tour, which is a 16-player tournament where everybody plays everybody first. And after 15 games, the top eight make a knockout bracket. Mm -hmm. And Magnus played the game. There was obviously a lot of hype prior for what was going to happen in this game. Magnus plays one move and resigns. Actually, I imagine he didn't want to play one move. I imagine he would have resigned the game as it was starting. But I think some websites don't let you resign before you make one move because then the game isn't counted.
2: Yeah.
1: So I think he didn't want to play at all, but he played one move and that made it even more epic, I suppose, and he resigned. And that was, that was that, like.
0: So you still, you, you lose that
1: game counts, right? Oh, game counts. You lose the rating. All, all These online events, unfortunately, don't count for any sort of rating, ah. but on the tournament, yeah, you play one move,
0: yeah. So he resigns. And then how does the tournament still work out? Is the tournament already over? So he made the eight. As Magnus still made the, the top eight?
1: It was round five or like round six or something. So it was halfway through the preliminary stage. Yeah. It affected his standings. But then after resigning that game, Magnus finished first uh, in the bracket, in the preliminaries, and then he won the entire event. There was a chance that they were going to meet in the final, but Hans lost in the first round against the Vietnamese strong player, Le Quang Liam. And then Magnus uh, gave a short interview to the live broadcast where he said he would give a statement at the end of the tournament. And then he did. He gave a statement at the end of the tournament. And now here we are. The only other thing missing from this is the very intense scrutinization of all those over-the-board games that I mentioned earlier that Hans dominated in. So people are now going through all of his games that he played in tournaments and they're analyzing them with engines and they're saying he played exceptionally well. And the debate is, was he cheating or was he way too good already, but underrated? Hmm. Because he could have had incubated knowledge. So he could have not played for a couple of years, was 2,700 level, but was playing people who were twenty four, twenty five hundred. 2,500. Ah. Well, well, over the board, I I see. So, not just over the board with the top level people like Magnus, but over the board in general. Uh, Yes, before he got a chance to play in these super tournaments against the best players in the world, he had to go to Europe. He was the most active chess player in 2021. And he
0: was quite dominant.
1: Yes, I think he played more over the board games than any player in 2021 or 2022. I think it's 2021. And yes, I think his rise was steeper than everybody, yeah. maybe with the exception of well, Reza Firouzja, who got to twenty eight hundred.
0: See, I'd like to believe because he he talks about being very. He just became obsessed with chess. Mm-hmm. I I like stories like that. Me too. I, li- I like stories of um, the underdog, especially with the scarlet letter of having been a cheater in the past. I like the idea of somebody who is flawed psychologically and ethically and just just a full fascinating personality and this somehow just becomes obsessed. I mean, similar to Bobby Fischer, mm-hmm. is also a tortured soul, also flawed, also just chaotic all over the place. You could see Bobby Fischer being somebody that might cheat when he was 12. Right on the online chess, right?
1: Like if if it existed. Yeah, actually I think in some podcasts like small chess podcasts, I don't wanna I, I, I like Ben Johnson, so I, I'm apologizing for calling it small, but compared to like let's say Lex Friedman podcast, <laughs> uh it's uh, uh what's what's it what's his podcast? It's called? it's perpetual chess. It's kind of like Oh, I love perpetual chess.
0: What are you joke? Really? How oh, dare you call yeah the the, the wait, wait all right. Um I'll show you because it does a lot of it it talks it makes me feel special. Let me see where is it? Perpetual chess. Um he does like Improver series? Yes. Yeah yeah yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. he's great. Ben I, don't, I forgot I'm so horrible with names. His name is Ben Ben Johnson? Yeah, yeah it is Ben Johnson. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, the Perpetual that's, Chess podcast.
1: That's amazing. See, Lex, mm-hmm. when even individuals like myself who might have a large audience, when I look at you, you're, at a, you're, you're just at a different level. I don't expect you to be listening to chess podcasts during the day. I Just imagine you're don't know, doing something to change the world or
0: talking no, I, to some I, visionary people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should say, you know, I've been running a lot and I listen to podcasts a lot because they're such, I love human beings excited about stuff that really energizes me. And um, I've listened to a bunch of chess podcasts I, I'm really energized by your love of chess. Um, I really like. Yeah, sorry, I did, forgot his name, but Ben Johnson. I, I love it when he talks to grandmasters. I love it when, he, when he talks to the 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 regular folks for the improvers, like to see how they balance life and chess and all that kind of stuff. He's just pretty good at it. And he's like super excited, and they talk about books. Yeah, and they get excited about different books. Yes, and, uh, I mean it, it. It also gives me a sense of uh, where the chess world is it, from a different perspective is like people studying chess like what they get excited about how difficult it is um yeah it's it's nice to get a sense of the community the language that's used because i did want to have a bunch of conversations um with folks about chess, because I think it's a beautiful game and I, I, I think it's a beautiful community. So that's that's one of the podcasts I listen to. So yeah, anyway, it's, it's great. Anyway, you were saying, why why did you bring him up? Yes. Great uh, podcast. A great I podcast.
1: I, only reason I thought of it, uh, and I use the word small, no disrespect, Ben, is because even that episode, which he did with Hans, like it was a small episode. It wasn't seen by mass audience yeah. of chess. And he did an episode with Hans recently? I know. Some time ago, yeah. And in that episode, Hans very openly is like, Bobby Fischer was misunderstood and he was my idol. Oh, wow. Said a couple of things like that. And Strong, Hans, is an Hans. Inth- Hans is an intense guy. Like, I, when I listen to Hans, I get a little anxious. <laughs> I just, he brings out some sort of disturbance in my ecosystem. Yeah. It just- I, I,
0: Yeah, I can't really pin him down to like what what's going on there. Yeah. As, as a person who's trying to read people. Yeah. Um... It's, it's difficult. Like, I can, I can, this is the dark aspect. He could be both the genius of Bobby Fischer and a genius cheater. And you could see, like, there's something yep. chaotic about him, which makes him very appealing in that way.
1: Yes. So, right now, late September 2022, the current environment is such that Hans hasn't said anything in weeks and people are sort of, Dissecting every bit of circumstantial evidence that they can, and they're trying to present the case. I don't even know to who. Ultimately, I guess it would be the FIDE cheating anti-cheating commission or whatever. It might be to you, essentially. I mean, to people it, with the platform. It, it could be to, to, to present convincing evidence to where the
0: the people the people are convinced that yeah. one way or the other. Because you're for people who don't know, and they should definitely follow Gotham Chess. You've been on this, you've covered it a lot. And I'm sure if anything comes out, you'll cover it more. But you've been quite balanced and thoughtful and kind of objective about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, so the reason for that is I understand the power that I wield with anything. And if I say one sentence the wrong way, I might be sending ten thousand people or more to go do something. Yeah, and I hate that. I want to present the evidence, and I want the video to end, and people go, "Okay, I understand." Not, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fuck someone up. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean, like because that's. And I also believe that even if Hans, even if Hans is guilty, this goes all the way back. He's a human being. Yeah, and. You can argue that cheaters got to be punished. and you can argue that people who do things wrong, you shouldn't feel any sort of compassion. But I would hate to have the whole world pointing their fingers at me—the entire world that I've known my entire life. And even if I if I messed up, there's still a, a world after chess. There might still even be a world in chess. I don't know, but that stuff—it it doesn't make me—it doesn't make me feel good to present all of the circumstantial evidence in my videos and start being like, yeah, it looks, you know, so.
0: But at the same time, you deeply care about chess and the chess community. And there's some sense where, was it you or was it Magnus that said that cheating poses an existential threat? Was he, to chess? Yeah, Magnus said that. Magnus, I mean, there is some aspect of truth to that, which is yeah. like, you know, we, the chess is in a state where bots, uh, chess engines are much better than humans. Yeah. And we're living in a world where technology becomes easier and easier to integrate with with human beings, whether you put it in some orifice or elsewhere. And that that does pose a threat to um, to our ability to trust that a world champion is indeed a world champion, that somebody we think is good is indeed good. And so there is some aspect to the ecosystem that should punish cheating
1: and perhaps over punish cheating. And the other thing is, in sport, you can take PEDs and have bigger muscles, bigger, better reaction time, but you still have to perform the action in a successful way. There is still a chance you can lose if you take PEDs. Maybe in some sports, the gap between non-PED and PED user is significantly more noticeable. But in chess, if you cheat, you play God. Yeah, You decide when the game is over. You can fake bad moves. You can fake everything. You can even, if you're cheating quote unquote the right way, you're going to lose plenty of games to avoid getting detected. So you can create bots that are 2800. Like You can also just not listen. If you know all the best moves but choose to play on your own, oh I made a mistake not a big deal. You could, yes, bots are all at a different level. But if you were to cheat that you you play God. You can decide when you make your move and when the engine makes its move. And if you know the top four lines of the engine, you choose the fourth one. So in hindsight, people will analyze your game and they will go, oh, it wasn't perfect. Well, no shit. Only the stupid cheaters play the top engine line the whole game. By the way, <laughs> I'm not saying that this is what's happening here. but Correct.
0: But there's, uh, there's probably an excitement to playing God. To to and get in the way with
1: it, like I know people, I know adults, grown adults who are successful in their fields, and they they cheat, they cheat in lessons, they cheat in like I, I don't want to say I've taught any, may I may or may not have, uh, <laughs> for some reason one of them watches this and they know they're guilty, uh, and it happens, it happens, uh, not just teenagers, not just young adults, but full grown adults will cheat. When they play, because it, I think it helps them learn. Oh,
0: uh, well, that's that exactly just that justification. But I just meant like, i It might not be just about winning. It might also just feel good to have that power. Power. Like yeah. I bet you, it's a drug.
1: Oh yeah. I, I mean, like know. with
0: a lot of criminals, with a lot of criminals, I feel like part of like the ma- like mass murders, like serial killers. I feel like a lot of it is they can get away with it. The, the fact that they like they like everyone else is a sucker and they figured out how to do this evil thing and uh obviously cheating is nowhere close to that but the, the but there's still a feeling of getting away with it yeah i wonder i mean you're pretty objective on the whole thing like where if you were um a betting man what would you say is the probability and are you changing day by day in your head what's the probability that hans cheated over the board against Magnus in the in Saint Louis. Oh,
1: that's a tough one, man. Have that's... you even allowed yourself to th- to put a probability on it? No, not on that specific game because I think a lot of that game was affected by Magnus's own psyche. That was one of his worst games yeah. ever. So he played poorly too. Magnus played, poorly. which doesn't help his case. Yeah, Hans might have cheated in that game, but we'll never know. I. I think day by day, the evidence is slowly starting to show more and more that he's cheated, like like how Magnus said, more than he said and more recently. It's undeniable. Like, right, a lot of the statistics are there. The problem is you can't prove you're not cheating. Yeah. Unless you strip naked (laughs) – like that site offered him a million bucks to like everything about Wait, the Han- which site some, offered him a I saw some bucks. headline that said Hans Niemann That's was offered can't, a million bucks. Can't be yeah. real. And where I struggle to comprehend is how on earth he could pull it off. And like I'm a guilty that my brain goes to guilt first and resent yeah resentment remorse guilt that kind of that trio. Um,
0: Magnus put out a statement as we speak yesterday saying, dear chess world, at the 2022 Sinkfield Cup, I made the unprecedented professional decision to withdraw from the tournament after my round three game against Hans Niemann. A week later, during the champion's chess tour, I resigned against Hans Niemann after playing only one move. I know that my actions have frustrated many in the chess community. I'm frustrated. I want to play chess. I want to continue to play chess at the highest level in the best events. I believe that cheating in chess is a big deal and an existential threat to the game. I also believe that chess organizers and all those who care about the sanctity of the game we love should seriously consider increasing security measures and methods of cheat detection for over-the-board chess. When Neiman was invited last minute to the 2022 Sinkfield Cup, I strongly considered withdrawing prior to the event I ultimately chose to play. That's the thing you're referring to is that he can, like now we know he was torn about the whole thing. I believe that Neiman has cheated more and more recently than he has publicly admitted. His over the board progress has been unusual and throughout our game in Singfield cup, I had the impression that he wasn't tense or even fully concentrating on the game in critical positions while outplaying me as black in a way I think only a handful of players can do. This game contributed to changing my perspective. He must do, we must do something about cheating. And for my part going forward, I don't want to play against people that have cheated repeatedly in the past because I don't know what they're capable of doing in the future. There's more than I would like to say, unfortunately. At this time, I'm limited in what I can say without explicit permission from Neiman to speak openly. So. Far, I have only been able to speak with my actions, and those actions have stated clearly that I am not willing to play chess with Neiman. I hope that the truth in this matter comes out, whatever it may be. Sincerely, Magnus Carlsen,
2: world chess champion.
1: Um, How would you sign off your statements? If I was a world... No, No, just say whatever. Lex Fridman, what would be the title? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I think I would not... Even if I was a world champion, I would just say Lex or make up a title. (laughs) And I feel like I really fucked up in life if I have to tweet a statement as an image. That's like when you get, you're a politician and you got caught cheating on your wife, like for many years in a row. Yes. Then I tweet an image. I'm sorry for all the people I have hurt and the people that believed in me. And what whatever else, and then I would sign World chess
1: Champion <laughs> you know the most like the the modern way to give a statement, what I thought Magnus was going to do, yeah, I thought he was going to write on the recent scandal, or my statement on the past few weeks, twit longer. What do you mean? So you put a URL. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So that's for tweets, but it's unlimited characters. It's not 100. Oh, I didn't know what that is. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. So generally when a celebrity has a giant audience on Twitter, they will make their statement on social media and say what it is in a sentence. Yeah. One line. And then there's a link. Where does the link take you? Is to a, a website thread? called TwitLonger.
0: Oh, that's like the tweet natural longer, website.
1: TwitLonger. Yeah. And that is where they write their statements. That is what I was expecting. Wait, when who I did
0: this? I haven't seen this before.
1: Oh, this this is, is this like I a, don't have one off the top of my head, but it's that like Kanye, Kim Kardashian breaking up. that would use that or? streamers, musicians. Yeah, I don't think I politicians like use it because that it just feel like, Yeah, they, uh, the they use the image.
0: Use my yeah MySpace and Facebook, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would probably go see. I I like. Um, I mean, I'm not just being biased here, just because I have a podcast. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I feel like I would go on a podcast to talk about it with somebody I trust so like long form and discuss
1: it thought he was going to do that too in fact I wanted to write him a message mm-hmm. and be like I can be that that guy for you I have a very strange relationship with Magnus because good bad I, I don't I, we've never interacted I very openly I don't want to say use him for views because that is a very crude way of saying it yeah but if you wanted to insult my YouTube channel, that is what you would say. So oh, Magnus is in a lot of videos, th- thumbnails or or videos, not clickbaity. But if he's playing in a tournament and he plays a great game, he's going on that fucking thumbnail. Because, oh, oh,
0: because uh, let's see, he's the number one chess player,
1: very likely the greatest chess player of all time. Right. Plus, he's exciting, uh, and YouTube algorithm loves his name, and people click on it. Those oh, do they do the best?
0: Yeah, f- but I don't know what the chicken or the egg is. But the reason it loves it, the reason people click on it, is because he is an exciting personality. He's an exciting chess player.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there's something compelling about him? Yeah, he's, he's a- also he can he knows how to in a subtle, dry wit humor way talk
1: shit. With the silences and all of that. Yes. He knows knows it. He knows it. He knows the whole game of it. Specifically to Magnus, my relationship with him, we've never interacted. And throughout the last couple of years, he generally has interacted with Hikaru as a competitor. Mm -hmm. He has done some collabs with the Botezes. He obviously has talked to Ludwig, who's a very, very big streamer. And part of me regrets the fact that when I was smaller as a YouTuber and a, t- and a Twitch streamer, I'm sure I used to make jokes or some tweets at Magnus. Like when Magnus would tweet something, I would try to respond so I could be the top reply because that was my social media. I literally think I once responded to a Magnus tweet and saying responding for engagement because it, was like, it wasn't some controversial tweet. Yes. It was just something funny. And I went, haha, responding for engagement because I was just being a little bit of an idiot. And I knew that if it got enough likes, it would be at the top and people would see me, my brand, and just get to know me. This is the type Please of. Please don't use the word brand, but yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. And your worry is that he wouldn't take you seriously because. He wouldn't take me seriously. And if I was one of the best of all time and I saw some. Dude on YouTube just kind of being a moron, and I'm all over his thumbnails. I can imagine he has a very legitimate I, case. I
0: appreciate your humility and self-critical nature, but one of the um, realities with people like him is he does the, the, the he wouldn't hold a grudge or not treat you seriously. Um, I'm pretty sure he's a f- he's a fan. I'm he's a big supporter. He doesn't watch YouTube videos. I like can of imagine. that kind.
1: I barely watch YouTube videos. I
0: think of chess. Like yes. he might watch like more fun on un- chess adjacent stuff, but he just doesn't. It's, it's not for him. So uh, I'm pretty sure he knows of you and likes you, and your commenting on stuff has zero effect on his belief. Which is it's funny. That's something you think about. Yeah, you, you're a perfect. But you're well respected. Like. You're A lot of people mention you as a person who is like, okay, this person's legit, which is an important thing. It's not just an entertainer. It's not just a shit talker and so on. This person does is, is a great educator, a great fan and student of chess, uh, a great player himself, so all of those components. And so yeah, you're definitely a good person. And on this particular aspect have been very objective.
1: I understand that I'm nowhere near perfect. I don't. I'm not a different person on camera or off camera. I will say it like it is. Maybe on Twitch, you gotta you gotta dig in the mud there a little bit more, a lot more sarcastic, a lot more brash and whatnot. But you meet me in a taco place, and I'll talk with you the same way I might if it was a video. Just that you may not. You may not consider me just a random guy at a taco place. And that's why I think about the stuff with uh, specific to Magnus. And it's one of the reasons I don't reach out to him directly ever. I've, I never have. I've never DM'd him on Instagram hoping for a response. Never. I've uh, never even reached out to anyone on his team trying to get a conversation very candid with him, which I think it would be. I even barely reached out to guys in the top 10, like top 15. only recently started pushing myself more to do that. And I, even in my intro messages to them, preemptively say something like, you might think I'm some idiot. You might not be totally wrong. Yes. But like, I think this would be a good conversation and give it a shot. And I've been surprised. I've been ignored by a few, but some said, oh yeah, I've seen your stuff. Generally a fan, like no problem. I was actually really blown away. This YouTube channel, uh, Levitov Chess, it's a Russian chess channel. And I think the last name of the guy is, is, the name of the channel is named after Ilya Levitov, who has some sort of managerial role in the Russian Chess Federation. And this channel has interviewed some of the greatest players of all time. They have interviews with the modern best Russian players and Kasparov, Karpov, Kramnik. Mm -hmm. You name these guys from Russian chess. History, it's unbelievable. I just thought this was a channel of just unbelievably well-respected chess players and a legion of fans that were longtime chess fans. And I mentioned them very briefly in a YouTube video. And that little clip went into their next community event. And the founder of the channel went on this two-minute beautiful, description of why he liked me and how he only watched my channel as a beginner and how I have a natural voice and how if I talked about cards, I would have a million, a hundred million subscribers, just all this really kind stuff that in my mind, I thought was either undeserved or I just, I just never fathomed that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you, said, you certainly <laughs> sh-
0: should not feel as deserved. You should have a humility about that kind of stuff. But I think that is the thing that works over time. It's like reputation spreads, which is like, if if one person likes you and they tell you to other people and it kind of spreads and over time, you have one conversation with a top ten uh, like a, a like a super grandmaster and they they say nice things about you and it just kind of spreads. Because so I've been very surprised in all walks of life, like, um, I'm you know this this really gets me, this makes me happy honestly because um, like people ask me like how I get guests and so on. And it just seems, honestly, just be a good person and like a real person and honest. And it just kind of spreads the word, word of mouth.
1: You know, even coming here, I almost didn't reach out. What do you mean? I had seen you, had never talked to a, a a chess person, and I've watched a lot of, I've watched some of the things start to finish, especially if the guest I'm really interested in, like George St. Pierre, I'll watch that guy do whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll watch him do basically anything. Yeah. Make,
1: make an uh, omelet or something. Yeah, I, I, I love listening to him. Some of the other things I've I i I've listened to as well, and I noticed that neither, well, to me, you, you obviously and, and Joe are the two biggest podcasters. I don't know if that's like factual, I don't know if some influencer has some pod, uh, podcast, but you guys interview folks that I listen to more, more often than anybody else. And when Magnus came on, I was like, "Oh, this is that's amazing." You know, I I don't even know how I would reach out to someone like you. It just seems like a, a, a limp like climbing a mountain. And then a couple of days later, and I, I even in that episode wanted to write, but I didn't know how. Like, do I make a YouTube comment? I don't want that. I'm looking like I'm clout chasing on the Magnus episode. But then you talked to the Botezas, and I said, "Oh." Well, this it, I shouldn't overthink it. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, I so I just said, all right, fuck it, I'll I'll just write a comment, and you're like, yeah, I'd love to have you on. I was shocked; I didn't even you responded just within a couple hours or something. And yeah,
0: yeah, I loved it, man. I mean, uh, it was an honor. It's a good way to connect. I also like on live streams. I'll watch. I try to resist commenting, but. Um, you know, I'll watch some some even smaller channels. Like I'll get super excited by the, by them and connect in that way. There's an intimacy to that. Man, YouTube is beautiful. I don't know anything about Twitch. I'm maybe it's similar. Don't need to know anything? About but YouTube has <laughs> ruin you. <laughs> there is an intimacy, like especially if it's live. I don't know what that is, but if it's live, they're like right there. You, yeah. you can just like reach out and say hello. Yep. That's cool. It's like really, uh, I don't know. I'm just happy to live in this time when you can connect with people in that way. There is an intimacy. That's why I love podcasts too. I, I listen to people, and I feel like they're my friend. It's cool. It's a cool. It's a cool feeling. It makes you feel less lonely um, in this world. Like you have a lifelong companion, especially like people that do a podcast for many, many years. I'm like, we've been. You've gone through all the ups and downs of life together. With a creator, with a with a podcaster, with anything, it's cool. I don't know. It's a it, it makes it um, it's surprisingly intimate one way friendships. <laughs> of course, Maybe but, for an introvert, I don't know. There's
1: uh, there's <laughs> there, there's some negatives that people definitely describe. The, the word that gets used a lot is parasocial. You think you you like the viewer will think that the. The streamer or the YouTuber knows them or owes them something or has some. They have a bigger connection than they do.
0: But yeah, you know what? Actually, cause sorry to interrupt. I have to look. Maybe you can explain to me. I've mm-hmm. heard this term parasocial a lot. i been meaning to look it up. Might as well look it up while in live. <laughs> on the yeah, podcast. sure, sure, sure. Parasocial interaction (PSI) refers. Is this a new term? Because like, I have just started listening, hearing it like the last. Yeah, I think it's year. Or yeah. So. Cup, yeah. Parasocial interaction, PSI, refers to a kind of psychological relationship experienced by an audience in their mediated encounters with performance in the mass media, particularly on television and on online platforms. Viewers or listeners come to consider media personalities as friends, despite having no or limited interaction with. Oh, shit, that's a term for a thing I've been referring to. Interesting. The term was coined by Donald Horton and Richard Wall in 1956.:
1: Wow, when there was like a very limited media, huh? Wow, <laughs> I guess TV and radio yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Parasocial interaction and exposure the gamers' interest in the persona become a parasocial relationship after repeated exposure to the media. Yeah, okay, what's the downside? bro? What's, what's OK?
1: Oh well, I can tell you the downside. The downside is is people thinking they're in relationships with streamers and stalking them. That's... or oh, the stalking part. But the relationship is like...
0: I mean, okay, you mean like actual relationship. Like, like waking up and saying, how are you doing? Like in your head to them. Yeah, no. But
1: that might be an extension. More like, yeah, getting mad they don't respond to you in any time you're in the stream or that convincing yourself the other person wants you and you need to go to them, so you need to find where they are. Like this has happened. Some of the biggest female streamers have reported that that they get stalked and harassed for months, and that's born out of this. This on a very small scale is you come into a a stream every so often and give an update about your academic career. Mm -hmm. That's not so bad. I, I was gonna mention, I've streamed on Twitch for years and I watched people have kids like, people will come in over the course of months and say, hey, man, you know, I just finished, I just took the bar exam. Yo, man, like, I'm having my first kid. And that's crazy. That's that's amazing. Yeah. But if they do it in a healthy way, that's one thing. <laughs> but oh, I,
0: there's always going to be downsides, but most of it is beautiful, man. I, yes. I have, I have uh, very, uh, I have, I guess, <clears throat> parasocial relationships uh, of people that take it a little too far. But it's all love.
1: You also have a fundamental belief and hope in people to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I've been, you know, I, I haven't gotten in trouble with it yet. <laughs>
1: that's that's a good you thing. Know, Me too. I've interacted with plenty of people in person and no one's been negative. So it's... Yeah.
0: And I've even gone to a war zone. Uh there I can't there's no there hasn't been uh people have been very I don't know. Uh people have only surprise me in the positive direction in the depth of the the capacity they have for compassion Uh do we okay so now we're in this weird place with the cheating can, can I ask you a question about how it's possible to cheat like if you and I you know the conversation you're going to have with Magnus we're going to have we're going to play chess if we're, we're trying to figure out how can you beat him what are the different ways do you think over the board chess, what are the ways cheat? She- yeah,
1: that's where I lose the thread because I don't know.
0: See, that's what I immediately went to. Is like the engineering challenge of cheating,
1: right? Well, that's because that's, that's like how you're good at that. I mean, you're not, you're not good at creating cheating in over the board situations. I'm just saying you your brain works differently. I just choose to not even. Like, I can't entertain that. I I can come up with some bullshit, but it's not going to be anywhere. Oh, your
0: mind is not like immediately attracted to pulling at that thread of like, how would you fuck with the system?
1: Yeah, my mind stops at, ha, that would have to be a really sophisticated thing. And that's it. It doesn't go any further. Mm. My brain every day thinks about the best way to compartmentalize chess into a digestible format and put it out into content. Chess on the board.
0: Chess, not cheating
1: yeah right. i just think about the youtube i just think about that that's currently where my mind is fully focused i'm also working on like a, a book so so that's what you think
0: yes yeah, <laughs> see, for me because i've built chess engines uh, mm-hmm. that, that without understanding chess much as like you know as anyone does who's interested in ai you build all kinds of systems that do all kinds of stuff and chess is just an easy game like it starts with othello goes up to chess and go there's it's just a great uh, benchmark, a great place to explore different AI algorithms um, from search to machine learning and so on. But to me, cheating is like, it's it's a similar kind of ideas. Well, if I make it a board instead of eight by eight to 10 by 10, like how does it change things? And with cheating, it's almost like expanding the engineering challenge of chess out into the, the real world. To me, okay, so just allow me, I know cheating is horrible and everything. but Stockfish, AI engine and human working together in interesting ways, forget chess, just machine and human working together to expand the capability of the human is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that's like a beautiful thing to me. Um, Of course, purely for the chess game, it ruins the game. Yeah. But I just like thinking of how AI can interact with the human. Uh, in in ways that doesn't that it's frictionless, like uh, you know, like Neuralink brain computer interfaces dream of directly
1: connecting the human brain to AI system. The problem in this case is I don't think the human and the AI are interacting together. The AI dominates. The human is just the mechanism that makes the moves. I actually played, if I may,
0: I I don't maybe I need your advice on this. I thought and I told myself I won't do it. And then a friend of mine said, uh, and uh, a couple of friends, and both of them are previous guests in this podcast, told me I definitely need to do it, which is, um, you know, c- connect. So I already have f- for the chess arm that I built. Um, this computer vision on the chess board is able to to uh, extract from vision, um, the way you do optical character recognition, you extract the board. So. I was gonna just build that cheating system to demonstrate it with, the reason I thought it was interesting, so something we didn't mention is, I don't know who started this rumor, but the rumor started that it might've been like anal beads that I don't know who started this, but I do know that Elon magnified it.
1: My username was dead center in that thing that he retweeted, which was hilarious to me.
0: You're using, uh what do you mean? Oh, like the, for tweet.
1: The, he, he retweeted the clip, but also the copy pasta, like the, the paragraph yeah. that was like uh, describing the whole anal beads theory. And dead center in the middle of that paragraph is as Gotham Chess says. And oh, nice. the worst part about it was I was literally tagged. So it was as user slash Gotham Chess says. So every time that paragraph gets posted on Reddit, I get tagged. Oh, it's just getting posted a lot. So, yes, uh, but yes, he tweeted. And
0: then there's also the funny thing, which I really love, the The weirdest, most entertaining thing. Uh, was that part of the same thing where, uh, th- like, uh, plot twist, Magnus has been using anal bees this whole time. Yeah, yeah. That's how he got. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, I love that so much. Okay.
0: But anyway, uh, there's a... <clears throat> I, w- I quickly realized that there is, I, I have to admit that I know not much about sex toys. <laughs> and then I quickly realized that there's a lot of sex toys that have Bluetooth capability that you can interact with. So you can, it's very easy to connect stockfish to sex toys.
1: Actually, it, wow.
0: Actually, yeah. So uh, apparently, that's a popular thing. Like uh, a lot of sex toys are Bluetooth enabled so you can communicate with them. So this is actually pretty trivial to do. Uh, not trivial, uh. but but then and then in fact there is a um there's several libraries, one of them is really active called now this is on GitHub, friends. It's in Rust, but I think there's Python wrappers. It's called buttplug is the name of the library. Uh-huh. Um, that communicates with it supports a bunch of different devices. Uh, a, a bunch of different like vibrators and all that kind of stuff. But then I, I looked at the kind of vibrators it supports and they're all like creepy looking. I mean, like it doesn't, it it doesn't have, um, I don't know. It felt too dirty, you know, like there's a line. I was like, ah, I know, is this not going to, because the reason I, I like that kind of stuff is I like the joke of it that ultimately is somehow educational. Cause to me, I really care about AI and this is a cool little project to do. It's pretty easy to share um. Yeah, but I was thinking about doing it. I was thinking about doing it. At first, I said no. It just kind of feels dirty. But then the the, the aforementioned uh, friend said, "No, you should definitely do it." Um, I like the who's
1: hu- your who's your test
0: subject? No, we wouldn't test. it. you <laughs> he, on the table. Well, <laughs> I'm sure that people would sign up, right? I just went on the table, like show the vibration, like like is is you you're basically converting, uh. Now, it's not, I'm not obviously a
1: grandmaster, so you, you have to say everything. I feel like- No, you don't. You could say the square. You don't have to say the piece. The no, human will fill in the gap. No, a good
0: human chess player. I can't.
1: Oh, that's okay. what I, well, That's yeah. the point I wanted to make
0: is like, for me, I would like to know the actual move I need to make. Yeah. So I I need the full information. Right. So I have to convert the bishop c five whatever mm-hmm. t- to more uh, to Morse code, which is a lot of vibration.
1: <laughs> I yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it still works. It's it's
0: hilarious and fun. So I was thinking about doing it, but uh, because it's pretty easy to do, um, it would be just like a fun exercise. I love a mix of technical rigor and humor.
1: Well, this is the perfect project for that. Right, exactly. Yeah, this was born, I think, out of a user comment in a Twitch stream. So I thought it was born on Reddit, this theory, but I think uh, Eric Hansen was streaming uh, Chasbra, and someone in his chat made that joke and he read it out loud. That was the first time it was read out loud and then somebody clipped it and it became international news. Like, I don't, have you followed how big, the traction got on this anal beads thing? No. It was covered by every major news network, late night talk show, Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert. No. International news. International news in countries like China where I would have never thought that they would report about anal beads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they,
0: what was the t- tonality of it? Was it a, seen as a joke? Or it did they was, say there's a cheating scandal? I, I think to How a, do you even mention anal beads? I th- literally <laughs>
1: anal beads. Like you just, r- just r- uh, accused, uh, 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 accused denies, uh, denies cheating with anal beads, which he never did. He yeah. never denied cheating with anal beads. It was a joke internet theory. If I was him, I would lean into it. Yeah, I can't imagine, man. Like that's, I, I don't, I don't know what the right thing for him to do is, but it's. Are you not touching this one? Oh, I, I, I've i talked about it I don't say the words anal beads in my YouTube videos yeah, but I'll say beads I'll, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll uh, okay, the thing is do you think bad. I should do the, the code thing it's like a tutorial sure yeah I think it would be hilarious okay. if you find a way to do it yeah yeah you can show that it is possible to theoretically vibrate via Bluetooth chess moves mm-hmm. and if someone shoves it up their ass what it was another joke Okay, they offered you to play naked. They're gonna make you spread your cheeks. Yeah. Right? You? I, I didn't understand why <laughs> naked solved the problem.
0: I think there's it doesn't have to be naked. I don't think naked is enough. Yeah. Um okay, some questions from Reddit. Ask him, ask Levy if he d- deep down hates his audience.
1: I saw that. Yeah, I saw I saw that was the tough one. I have a I have a love hate relationship with the chess subreddit. Yeah. So that's why some of those questions were gonna be tough. I have a love-hate relationship. Do you
0: think that's a tough question or does that come from a place of love?
1: Uh, very, very tough to say. Very tough to say. Uh is love
0: and hate, like, they're basically next-door neighbors on Reddit, I feel like. Correct. They oscillate very quickly between each other.
1: Yes. So, Reddit chess specifically, I think, is mostly folks who are around before the chess boom. So, the chess- this is
0: the chess subreddit? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, a lot of them have been around for five years, seven years, ten years, even more- And I think the average age on Reddit is lower than the average age on the chess subreddit. I think that the chess subreddit is beyond the age of 20, maybe even 25. Like a lot of folks there are. Ancient, ancient people in their mid 20s. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, not 15 or 16. Uh, Anarchy Chess is younger. So Anarchy Chess is basically chess memes.
0: That's a subreddit? Yes, you got it. Yeah, Anarchy Anarchy Chess Chess. is great.
1: A lot of stupid memes on there. Did they they like you or or no? Or is it lofty? They did until my crypto sponsorship. Um, which is a separate convo that I'm more than happy to have. Uh, but uh, yeah, my, so my relationship with the Reddit chess subreddit is tough because my content on YouTube stops at a certain point with them. They can't learn from me because I'm tailoring to 95% of my audience, which is about sixteen, seventeen hundred 1,700 and below. And I have a lot of content where I jokingly, make fun of low-rated players. And everyone's in on it and we all have fun. And I laugh at myself a ton, I laugh at, as you can even see in this conversation. Yeah. I, But just like you mentioned in, with with clips and out of context things, folks have already formed the perception of my personality. There's nothing I can do to win them back. And I think the dominant percentage of the loudest group of folks on the chess subreddit, they just, they have a certain perception of me. It's not going to change. And you add something like cryptocurrency sponsorship, which people on Reddit just in general are relatively negative on the subject, is going to start you know snowballing more and more. So if you ever look up a thread of, should I buy a Gotham course and it's on Reddit chess, it's going to say no. Everyone's calling it a scam, overpriced. Interesting. I got. Uh, I, I heard a lot of really positive stuff. I don't know where.
0: On Reddit in general. About you, me? People-
1: yeah you might have you might have been looking for it. you might have not been looking for for negative things and i no, do
0: i was looking for like best educators online like that kind of stuff i yeah. don't
1: i i'll be, it might have not been read at chess. I'll be totally honest with you if if you ever go to there and look for something like best uh, recaps or best educational content for intermediates, I'm not mentioned. I might not be mentioned because I'm already expected to be on the list, so they just kind of want to generally shout out smaller creators totally fine with that. And I'm not even going on this whole explanation because I want to win folks back. It's just sort of the reality of the situation. A lot of my stuff is really clickbaity and I'm playing the YouTube game. Yeah. They don't want that. Do you ever feel
0: like a limit or a tension between your creativity and the YouTube algorithm? Like, do you feel like it has negative yeah. uh, effects on you? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I want to cover more in-depth stuff in a 30-minute video that I think is super useful to people it's only gonna get 60,000 views. And you feel, why is that
0: a bad thing? Is it good good to mix it up?
1: Yes, it's good to mix it up, but I make a video a day. I make one bad video, the other videos suffer. And then if I make two videos that underperform, the rest of the videos don't get pushed out as much. Your earnings can go down 40% day to day, which doesn't happen in other careers. And if I ever wanna supplement if I ever wanna make a very instructional video, I try to do it in a very fun way. So something like eight of Magnus Carlsen's best end games. You can still learn a ton, but the concept of the video is going to be different. Like I try to still teach things, but in more interesting and exciting ways. Like the, the guy who was scammed for a million dollars, Alexis Shirov, who was basically promised the world championship. If he won his match, he won his match. He didn't get a world championship. So there's still stuff in there you can learn and you can, my my goal is just, you click on the video, you learn something and you enjoy yourself. That's it. Get people to click on it by any means
0: necessary. But once they're there, have quality stuff they can learn. And Yeah. Say, yeah, man, I wish, so I, I have zero of those pressures, but I also really, really, uh, like I turn off views and all that kind of stuff. I don't pay attention to any of that. Uh but I wish YouTube would like, the algorithm would include how good the video is. <laughs> like beneficial for people's long-term well-being in in the calculation. Yeah, I'm, I actually really hate the fact that they turned off dislikes.
1: Yeah, I didn't get that at all.
0: Because like now I don't know the difference between like, for tutorials specifically, like I don't know what's a good chess video or not. Or what's a good review or, or not. But, yeah, I mean it emphasizes following certain people more, like if you trust the creator, but like, man, um, I really don't know what's a good video or not, essentially. And then you have to trust more the title, then then the clickbaitiness comes in and it's it's no good. You have to use your own gut instinct as opposed to data. It sucks.
1: Yeah, there's videos that have almost no views that are still great.
0: Incredible. Yeah. And some of some of the best ones. Some people who are just f- focused on like the qu- the quality. Yeah. And don't want to play the game. Or don't even know how to play it, and they don't really want to play the game of the YouTube algorithm. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks, especially given how dominant YouTube is in the um, mm-hmm. in defining the sort of the creative energy of our whole <laughs> civilization. Of yeah. The youth.
1: Not just chess.
0: Not just chess. Uh when you're going to chess box against Eric Rosen. This is a question from Reddit Chessbox. You, uh, you said your your hands are all messed up.
1: Yeah, so yeah. Are you training
0: I, for something or regular? Like,
1: so I also just remembered we never talked about Hikaru, so I can talk about Rosen and Hikaru in the same chess boxing.
0: Oh shit! All sense. right, is this your M- McGregor like shit no, no, talk no, no. segment? No, 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 the... no.
1: Uh, Eric Rosen is actually a close friend of mine. I probably have five of those, and he just so happens to be uh not just a chess streamer but uh we 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 talked about buying homes we've talked about he's stayed at my place he took my wedding photos i flew him to new york and paid for all his stuff just so he could hang out with my wife and i and you know take some 6 a.m. photos in the sun uh, in in the park so oh he looks familiar yeah so he's uh yeah he's a good friend of mine now in terms of chess boxing <laughs> chess boxing is this really fascinating sport where you have boxing but you also have chess and you have rounds so you start a chess game with a clock. That segment itself lasts for a couple of minutes. They put the board away and pause the clock, whatever the time situation is. Mm-hmm. Then you box for a minute. And that keeps going on. I don't know how it works in terms of the time expiring, meaning in fighting, there's judges that just tell you how the fight was going, right? Here, I don't know who wins and how. Like, do you win by, you can win by knockout, you can win by checkmate, or their clock can run out on the chessboard, but is Who there, judges? Who, who- is there a round limit? Does this just go on and on and on and on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it's like 12 rounds, right? Isn't this a thing in, in, in Russia? It's a big thing in the UK. UK? Yeah, UK. I don't, I don't know why. And there's a lot of YouTuber events just for boxing. So YouTubers just learn to box and then they just box. No chess. They just straight up box each other. Like Jake Paul, for example. You ever going to get Jake Paul in here? Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm okay. Sure. I'm sure. I feel like. so many different guests have been mentioned uh yeah jake jay paul would be would be a fun guest but he's obviously the biggest scaler. he's legitimately boxing people he's not yeah uh, but okay chess players is never going to learn to box to that level and all of us are starting basically from zero Mm -hmm. and ludwig talked to me behind the scenes say hey how would you feel about being in a chess boxing match i said okay yeah maybe when is it gonna be he said five months from now I've always wanted to train combat. I've mm-hmm. weight lifted, I've done cardio, I've played and basketball. you
0: said you're a UFC fan too? Yeah. But so you admire fighting?
1: Yeah, I would enjoy it. I just have a really bad lower back and that makes a lot of different combat difficult. But I said, you know what, screw this. I'm going to contact a few local gyms. Yeah, And one of them, the guy emailing me back and forth had actually watched my YouTube videos. So he was the first to respond. And he said, yeah, like come in, do a couple classes, like see how you feel. So first I did conditioning, which killed me because <laughs> fighting conditioning, as you know, it kills you. It's yeah. it's a completely different type of conditioning. But I felt good and I really wanted to come back. And since July, I've been training three, four days a week. Nice. Like, you feel I, pretty good? I love it. Lower
0: back feels good?
1: Lower, Everything feels, the whole body Lower, got stronger. So, you, he, so you, what you're saying is you're going to fuck up Hikaru. <laughs> is, he, is he training? I'm not, I'm not fighting. So- I talked to Eric about it yeah. and the truth is we're both concerned about head trauma. I haven't actually sparred. I like sparring, shadow boxing, but I go there, I do personal training. I don't do a group class. Yeah. I'm not fighting, I'm fighting the bag, I'm doing shadow boxing, my form is improving, but I haven't been punched. I get hit in the stomach, you know, I get hit in the side with kicks. Nobody's punched me in the face yet. So I think we both were adequately concerned about that. And there was not some ridiculous amount of money on the table, so we decided it's just not worth pursuing. Mm-hmm. How
0: does Hikaru come into the picture? Because
1: well, he no. he's a
0: possible competitor.
1: People ask me all the time, "Would you, who, who would you fight?" Would you? Yeah. People are like, ah, Andrea Botes would kick your ass." Yeah. That's a tough one because I can't. What am I going to say? I'm going to fight a woman who I'm larger than, and you know. So I just have to take the L against yeah. anytime a woman is mentioned. That's fine. I'm like 0-6. Oh, There's six. no winning that one, right? Exactly. So I'm. Oh, I'm, I've lost to both Botezes, Anna Rudolph, Anna Kremling.
0: They're you all like, chess
1: creators. And like, like hypothetically, yeah, I get asked, this hypothetical I, fight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he's there. been
0: training. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, Andrea has been training.
1: That's because an event got announced. This this event that yeah. I was hypothetically going to be the main event against Eric Rosen. Yeah, it that was announced. got announced. Yeah,
0: and then yeah. you kind of like thought, like maybe let's not do this.
1: No, I I knew once I declined to fight Eric that I would not be participating, and I, I even knew the I knew who was going to be the main event because um, I was kind of offered both of those guys. So Amon Hamilton. Oh, is this
0: still going on?
1: It, the chess boxing event will happen in December in Los Angeles. Yeah. Nice. So who is the main event? It's Amon Hamilton, who's also Chess Bra. So they have a couple of guys as part of the Chess Bra channel and Lawrence Trent. Lawrence Trent is a international master from England. He's a, I think he's done some boxing a little bit. He's a commentator. Brash guy. Nice. Um, controversial guy, yeah. Uh, it's funny cause they started, Lawrence put out some videos and I went, damn, I should have done this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you're right. First of all, there's so many things to say. One of which is if you're, if you want to take it seriously, you know, it does pull you in like, you know, if you train a lot, it's going to affect the rest of your life. And then, and then there's, it, it changes you. I think taking combat sports seriously changes you in good and and there's negative costs to it i think cuz it's a whole nother thing man it's like a yep. it's like doing marathon running or something it really pulls you in mm-hmm. and the other thing is the is the head trauma like yeah, you have to take that kind of stuff seriously especially if you're doing sparring and all that kind of stuff yeah um still some of the c- celebrities i don't know why but it's pretty exciting right i don't know why it'd be fun to watch a car like there's something.
1: I always said if Hikaru and Magnus did a a boxing event and yeah. I was the co main event against I don't know who, that would that'd be that'd be. Has that'd be.
0: Magnus said anything about it, like uh, about doing chess boxing?
1: Uh well, first of all, he's going to commentate the Ludwig event, nice. which he which he said and he he kind of said, oh, there's been people in the past that are my level in chess, not my his level in chess, and uh, have wanted to get physical with him. I think he's talking about Hikaru. It's it's, I don't think anybody else's. That'd be that'd be a good one, man. That'd be a good one. I think Magnus. What do you think? When's that one? I think Magnus is in better physical shape. He's also a little bit bigger, I think, than Hikaru. Mm-hmm. Longer reach. I think Hikaru's a dog, though. I yeah. think I think he'll. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna get out of there. Like I, I don't think he's gonna quit in in the
0: ring. I, I would think Hikaru just goes nuts in the beginning and burns himself out. So if if
1: Magnus can survive that.
0: I feel like a car would just go crazy and then just get exhausted would not be able to pace himself correctly.
1: Maybe chasing that first round knockout, yeah. Yeah. You just
0: swing like crazy. Honestly, I just love to see that, which is like
1: the effect of physical exertion mm-hmm. on the on the game. I think it's I'm sure they're strong enough to Yes, but I think we definitely underestimate the effect of being punched, maybe bleeding out of your nose or something like that. It's 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 no joke. I can't I can't say I'm anticipating the first day I actually do some sparring and get seriously hit, because I know it's not going to feel good. Even now, I take a hard jab to the to the stomach or the ribs, and I'm just like, man, this is this is rough. I mean, I I had to do three minutes on heavy bag, and when I finished, my I had I had been la- like slacking on my form because my arms were tired, and I hit with my fingers instead of my knuckles, and my hands are. Like you can see the the red skin, like completely pink, meaty skin under. I didn't realize when I was hitting, and only today, it's the pain is unbearable. So I can't imagine head. It must be no.
0: I mean, it gets I mean, it's a different thing. I mean, of course, your skin gets tougher, everything gets tougher, so it gets used to it. The head, the head is a weird one because it's not going to send you those kinds of signals. You're not going to get the the skin type of signals. The brain is a weird thing because it doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. does the damage and the damage can materialize itself, manifest itself only years later. Yeah, It's a weird one. But then we all die. There's, there's that Braveheart speech. Um, I got to ask you about bots because to me it's like super interesting and you've played a lot of bots at different levels. Uh, you have a video called The Advanced Chess Bots Are Terrifying. Uh, yeah. So what's the difference between playing humans and bots? Like you mentioned this Nelson bot. Yeah. It brings this queen out. I think rated 1600 12 or 1400. Well, okay, 1240. Yeah, I think so. so like there's a style to those what uh what's the difference between the way bots play and the way humans play?
1: A lot of people prefer playing bots because they have anxiety playing other humans. It's a very legitimate thing. Interesting. A lot of beginners they they don't like live chess. They get nervous, Elo anxiety, you get close to your highest ever rating, you panic. Happens to me too. Yeah. Happens to me even now. So they play bots.
0: They're somehow more reliable or something. Or yeah,
1: what? they're, I don't know, but that's, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. And the popularity of that video shows that people enjoy watching you play chess bots. So uh, I'm gonna demystify this. This might be shocking. Those bots are all the same bot for the most part. Mm-hmm. You could just program a bot to make mistakes at a certain moment. Mm-hmm. You could program a bot to spend less time on certain moves. And it's gotten sophisticated enough that you can basically program it to play at whatever more or less level that a human plays at. You say, I'll play at an 1800 level. So it's programmed to throw in mistakes. The problem is, and this is why it's all beginners to not play bots, because bots are programmed in the following way. Beginner bots are like literal toddlers. They have no understanding whatsoever. They will literally lose all their pieces, but they won't lose all their pieces and make mistakes the way beginners do. Beginners actually know how to start a game. They just struggle the first eight moves, nine moves. Mm -hmm. Their mistakes are very different than Bob. Bob plays completely outlandish types of mistakes that you cannot pick up in terms of a pattern standpoint because no actual humans play like that. They just move their queen to the opposite side of the board for no reason, you can take it.
0: Yeah, it's not even a blunder. It's almost like
1: randomness. Yeah, it's completely random. And this problem extends further because advanced bots will play an opening completely reasonably and they just hang a rook, which, okay, maybe happens, but that's not exactly how you get to 1800. At 1800, that's a very strong level of the game. You know your openings very well. You start navigating the middle game based on already things that you remember. Mm -hmm. And then basically one side chooses a bad plan and the other side chooses a better plan. And one thing leads to another. Nobody just recreationally hangs all their pieces, which is the way bots are kind of programmed to play. But some of those bots in that video were, I remember playing them and uh, they, were, they, yeah, they were nuts. Uh, they were out calculating me every time I thought I had a trick in two, three second moment of thought. It would just play the best move. And sometimes that also happens. It gets into a dead loop where it just starts bulldozing you and it can't stop. So it made its mistakes already. Yeah. It's programmed to make only a few and then it just bulldozes you the rest of the way. Interesting. I mean, that's that's why I I
0: played with Stockfish a bunch. So I I got um, I built a, for myself a bunch of different chess experiments recently. It had to do with the chess playing bot, uh, but I also built the infinite chess board where it was Stockfish was playing like an infinite number of chess games, and one of the parameters that was interesting to play with is how long it gets to think about a move and how that affects the rating of the thing.
1: Oh, I've I I did that a little bit.
0: So it's that that's a tricky one. I'm sure people know how to do that well, but it's tri- it's not trivial yeah. to to understand like what there must be a good formula for it. But it's also interesting to think about like a controlled number of blunders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's probably better the control number of blunders is not a good way to build a bot.
1: Yeah, it's yeah.
0: For training purposes at least.
1: The time the time per move is probably better. But the craziest thing is I did that. A couple of my of my devs were helping me with the build like ai I'm I'm scaling my courses into a better chess learning platform mm-hmm. essentially. We've done a lot of different experiments with Stockfish, which I'm even happy to get into here. Um, and, uh, stockfish making moves in 0.1 millisecond plays better than a human, yeah. which is disgusting and disturbing, frankly, cause that's crazy. Like you can't react to a, a car stopping in front of you anywhere near that fast. And
0: yeah. So the reason I was interested in that is because when you have an, a very large chess board, you have uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of game going on at the same time, you have to, the, like, think of the minimum amount of th- thinking per move that you can uh, allow for. And it does, it does seem it's damn good, uh, at least to my eye, basically at the lowest possible setting you can give it. So, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible what bots are able to do. And now it's, as far as I know, is primarily machine learning based, Stockfish. So Stockfish moved to machine learning completely. It's not doing search, as far as I know.
1: Yeah, this is where you you lose me a bit, but the move discovery and evaluation is what's been changing in in the way Stockfish works. So it's discovering of moves and then the way it looks forward and then evaluates positions that has changed. But Matthew Sadler, who wrote the book Game Changer about AlphaZero, Alpha zero, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that he explains it significantly better, but that that's the way I think it it works.
0: What did that make you feel when you first saw AlphaZero
1: play? I was excited. I I didn't have any any sort of existential thoughts. I enjoyed watching it completely destroy openings that people thought were good. Uh and it 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 that experiment though has does have some caveat in the sense that I think Alpha Zero was playing with a full tank of servers, and I think Stockfish wasn't, which I think is what one of the things people point out. They they weren't yeah, playing
0: since then. They were able to demonstrate much less. Yeah, uh, but but also Alpha Zero stopped developing. Um, they stopped developing it. Yes, which which sucks. But again, from their perspective, from DeepMind's perspective, it's like all right. Well, we took on this really tricky game, did something uh, honestly incredible. They won. They won. I mean. Well, they... well, not just one. I mean, they did it without any human supervision. So like uh, without any training on human expert games. Mm-hmm. So only through self-play, which, I mean, that's what learning is about. It's like, it's what you think of as a child, a human child, a toddler learning from, you know, somewhat nothing and becoming a capable human. That's, that's what we think of when, when we think about intelligence. So the fact that it's able to play itself and become the best player in the world at, at the game of Go and all kinds of games is just incredible. And obviously, that inspired the modern Stockfish, yeah, uh, to do the same, all the same kind of self-play methods. Uh, somebody on Reddit asked a pretty interesting question. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have an interesting answer to it. What makes a chess move, quote unquote, human? As you are someone, oh, this is to me, but. It's mentioning you in third person. As you are someone working in AI, this idea of humanness would seem incredibly interesting. Yes, sir, it is. Especially since most cheat detection relies on humanness as a way to detect cheaters. I think since children being born right now will have the advantage of engine training their whole life, they will start to see the game the way an engine does. Will a person be considered a cheater if they play like an engine? There also seem to be a discrepancy, especially with Levy, about who can play what appears to be a non-human move. He often says things like, quote, if you were a normal player, normal in quotes, if you were a normal player, I would think you were cheating. But since it's Magnus, I don't doubt Magnus is great, but if humanness is our benchmark, what is the ELO rating where your moves can start to look like an engine without critique? There's a bunch of questions in there.
1: They combine two of my quotes yes into one so one thing that i like to say is sometimes in a chess game moves look or an opening looks so ridiculous that if a viewer played it i would make fun of them or slap them that's always the joke if i was your chess coach i'd smack you but uh, when magnus plays it was oh wow you know it's very different so they mixed up this quote with another quote which is uh you know if if i if I'll be explaining something and I'll say, "Oh, and here the engine says you should play like this. Yeah. If one of your opponents plays like this, report them for cheating." So they they fused two quotes. They said, "Oh, human can't play like that, but because it's an engine move, but because Magnus is playing, so they they mixed kind of two things." But there. there's interesting
0: levels of humor and uh insight there on both of those. Yeah.
1: The difference between human move and engine and like what an engine move is is I think two things. Number one, uh, a computer move is outlandish in its in its concept and its um, and, and its idea. So the best example that I can give of that is if you gave a hundred grandmasters a position and uh, told them, you know, what what do you think the best move here is for Black? Not in this position, right here, we have nothing, but. An overwhelming amount of them would look at the position, evaluate everything they know about the game of chess, which is relatively similar, but obviously slightly imbalanced based on their skill level. And they would come up with a sample size of two or three moves. Mm -hmm. And in comes the computer with a fucking haymaker. And suddenly everybody goes, oh, everything we know about chess has gone out the window. So they all start looking at that move. And they know it's the best move. So now they start adding the evidence behind the verdict as opposed to getting to the verdict while first looking at at the evidence. So the concept of it and the idea of it is so outlandish based on a certain type of position that you can't fully grasp it. You have to continue to beg the engine to tell you what the variation is. A move is only good if its extension is good. That's the way chess works. So it's like a move... Is good, it's because the computer has seen that the various branches of things going forward are also good. So you bring all that back. And no human could have even conceptualized that initial thing. But the second thing about computer moves is they they look counterintuitive. Mm. So that's a if you might be in a position where it it looks like the demands of the position are A, B, C, and then the computer is like. Nope, it's not because I've seen the future way more than you possibly could have and I don't have emotions.
0: <laughs> so like <laughs> dumb moves and brilliant moves can look similar.
1: Yes, and oftentimes do. And this is actually back to the Hans thing. A lot of people now dissecting these games they're playing and they're basically saying, like even Fabiano Caruana, one of the best players in the world, was on, some, on his podcast yesterday basically saying, okay, this is beyond my level, saying out of my league yeah what's that what's out of your league you played for the world championship kind of we get what we can read between the lines right it's is
0: it possible that hans is that level of genius is there like different different kinds of genius like where one you could be out of each other's league kind of thing
1: maybe in the case of magnus it's understanding of end games it's just yeah. somehow he understands the that last phase of the game and the complexities and the problems he can pose better than anybody else. So you can
0: see Magnus do uh, poor-looking moves in the endgame, or like, like moves that don't fit what seem your gut says is would, would be the optimal.
1: Yes, but also, so it, it's not that you even think they're right. You you just might not even consider them. Yeah. Because of over reliance on your own information or even the computer, that was what was going on in Game Six. He just kept doing things and kept playing and kept finding play and posing those questions that humans and computers could not understand. So he beat the engine basically. He could he wouldn't have beaten the engine because they would have defended. Jan lost that game in the 90s move. Psychologically, he thought the game was over, so that contributed. Computer would have defended. So by the by the time this podcast comes out, which I don't know, it would be in a week or something like that, I feel
0: like more will happen. Let's see, you're predicting... How, how does this Hans drama end what? Uh, saga? Like, 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 let's look in, um, in three months. By the time we get to the next world championship, let's say, what... Does... What, uh, the, what are the options what are the possible let's imagine let's not say like what the probabilities are what are the options uh chess. com is forced to or agrees to or whatever to come up with a huge amount of evidence of cheating in the past uh or hans comes out what, what are the what what can hans do with this so I'm uncomfortable with the general make sure you could maybe update me on this but there was a little bit of an attack on him, a lot of an attack that he's a cheater, right? Mm -hmm. Without evidence, without clear, conclusive evidence.
1: Physical evidence.
0: Physical evidence. So all of those.
1: Right. That's the tricky thing. Yeah.
0: So like that stuff we're talking about is beyond my level. That starts being um, kind of intuitive, circumstantial evidence.
1: There's, The statistical evidence behind the -the over-the-board games that he's played in 2020, 2021, where the games match what's called engine correlation more than Magnus and many other top grandmasters combined. But that can be argued is because he was very strong in playing weaker opposition. So there's always kind of this argument against statistics, right? There's the fact that the guy who Magnus name-dropped, Maxim Blugi. Lugi is a chess grandmaster and he's even been, I think, president of the US Chess Federation. I've played him in some blitz games. It turns out I wasn't even fully aware of the extent of this. He has been banned from chess.com. For cheating. For cheating. Have they actually, have? has him and Hans actually worked? Together? Yes. So that was why he name dropped that, right? So that's also not good. You see where this is getting, you still don't have the physical proof, but you have smoke. So I don't know how this ends. I don't know if this, if if he denies it to the death and he ends up filing some sort of legal action, some sort of ethics complaint, yeah. or he admits everything. I don't know.
0: But, well, no matter what, I hope, despite chess or not, that he's mentally strong
1: enough for whatever is to come. That's what I keep saying. because He's I, been I, under I, fire, can't, right? Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine, right? Like, I, I just, I really can't imagine. And maybe, well, we just have too much compassion, but I don't think so. I really just feel like... At the end of the day, chess is just a game, but
0: it is a game played by millions of people throughout history, and nations have basically fought wars over the chessboard. So like there's there's a lot. It's like Olympics. Olympics is just a little, just oh, a dude running and so on. The hockey is just the thing with with the puck. And but you know, um, it's it's also much more than that. It's also it's also nations, um, sort of figuring out their conflict in a way that doesn't involve violence. Yeah, it's a serious thing, and it's a thing that inspires. Millions of people, and it's a testing ground for intelligent systems that eventually uh, take over human civilization. Yeah I, know. yeah, I mean the bots. Bots are really interesting. I, I I don't know if there's other lessons. Like you, you, you played a clone of yourself. That was... uh, you watched Stockfish versus Stockfish. You have a video. Um, people should check out your channel. You have a lot of awesome videos. You have video titled Stockfish versus Stockfish. I,
1: that was the experiment. I made them play each other. So I made Would them learn
0: some, What did you learn from that experiment?
1: Uh, I enjoyed... First of all, they will always make a draw. So engines don't get to play each other from a beginning position because they will always draw, especially if they're the same engine. So stackfish 15, stackfish 15, I don't think one side will ever beat the other, basically. But if you program them to play a certain opening position, according to chess theory... You get to see interesting ways into how they evaluate. One of the things, one of the ways that it played against the London opening was absurd. Like it just, it was completely ridiculous. Black sacrificed two pawns as early as move six, which is a borderline completely lost position. And then both sides foresaw that the only way white was going to be able to use that material advantage was to give it back and stabilize their own position. Like black just got a crazy attack. Jesus Christ, oh God, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, But they drew, I mean, they ended up drawing. So I, I'm also gonna make them play against each other in either bad openings or like some of the most popular gambits, mm. uh, looking looking at something like that. Um, and the way I'm gonna do this is basically say, which chess gambits are the best. And the way I'm gonna do that is theoretically, the engine should be able to beat a gambit because a gambit is very rarely blessed by the computer. So if the computer cannot beat that gambit, that means it's good. That means it's not losing. If it's a completely lost gambit, it will beat it. But if it draws, despite getting that early disadvantage, then that means the gambit is very reliable and you can play it. So that's a good way to uh, evaluate opening games. Yeah. Exactly. What's What's the best? What's your favorite opening? Or what, um, what, what openings do you like? There was an opening that... Got me back into chess when I was 15. I had quit for like three years and I went to my friend's house and he had a book by Lars Skandorf, a Danish grandmaster called The Karl Kahn Defense, which is
0: C6. Do you want white or do you want black? Do you want to show me the opening?
1: This is the opening. That's the it. Karl Kahn Defense. So you play E4, I play C6. I have, to, I have to play black. That's it. Yeah. And, it. and we developed from here. I put my. But this, does
0: it, what, what counts as an opening? Okay, but the development, does the development matter?
1: Yeah, so from here, the development goes into the variations of the Karo Khan. So this is the Karo Khan. Like you can be in a city, but then you can be in neighborhoods. So. That's, a,
0: that's a very non dramatic. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. Two pawns in the center. That, that, so that's called the Briar variation. So, which, what's a good thing for me? Two, two squares. Yeah. If you can put two pawns in the center, yeah, yeah. you should. And then- um, So that's a good thing. Yes. And then I will go here. And now you have to decide what you're going to do with your center pawn. You can push, take, or defend it.
0: And uh, t- push, take, or defend, right? Yeah. Uh, what would you suggest? Take best. is the, le- the worst?
1: Take is just stable. So we just trade. But pushing is considered the best. Advancing and taking my space away from me. So I think Alpha Zero or Stockfish would probably always push push and now there's something called like m- the main line or the sideline main line is what's the most popular played at all levels which is moving the bishop here i've played this a lot but for beginners this is an intermediate players uh this is why i love this opening so much on move three black already has a plus score which is crazy like, it's not supposed to happen and there's this very tricky second most popular move which is undermining your center trying to get you to take my free pawn but destabilize and leave both of them kind of hanging. And- uh, Is that why the the plus score? Is because
0: you're susceptible to the destabil- destabilization? Yes,
1: because uh, people at 99% of the rating ladder do not understand how to deal with what's coming basically. They don't know how to deal with a structural attack.
0: So would uh, would Stockfish try to defend the pawn here and keep it No, structure? it would
1: take the pawn and tell you to go fuck yourself.
0: Oh, <laughs> I knew that's, that because I am 3,400.
1: Right. So I would uh, take the pawn and be like, all right, win it back. <laughs> and even if you did, you would suffer. It would make you win it back in the most annoying way. It would make you tie your shoes together and block So, it. So, I, uh, like, as Stockfish, I would take. Yes, that's the best it, move. That's the best move. But not at 99% of the rating ladder, which is funny. Interesting. Um, but you like to play this. I, I play this against. GMs I play both I move my bishop I, I push and, them and
0: you know, what are the different ways it evolves like then the rest doesn't matter so this is just like a pawn structure thing uh, yeah and I mean it, it, again, how deep are most openings I, so it's anywhere from like two I, moves to like ten moves kind of thing
1: yeah you can be out of theory very very quickly, two move, two move, three. Like basically on your own, you have a general idea, but you don't remember games. Yeah. I mean, I I know Karo Khan games from start to finish because I've played it since 2011. So, so you know all the different branches that goes in that down. Yeah, I I think I know every opening in chess. Basically, I think most most title players know every opening, but we don't know. We can't play it competitively because right. we'd be. But
0: what are some of the weirder openings that? Um... Like, slightly suboptimal, but might be ex- explored. Like, Magnus might play them just to fuck with the opponent. Well, he
1: he played something recently, actually, uh, against this German prodigy, Vincent Keimer, which was um, a specific move order in a very popular opening. So, it was basically a position that had been reached thousands of times. But the move order Magnus chose with white was played maybe point Oh five percent of the time, which is crazy. It's thousands of games, and it's supposed to be not good. Meaning, it allows Black to equalize because that's what Black is going for—not winning the game, but equalizing because you go second. Magnus says, "I don't care about equalizing. I just want a position. I, I don't want my opponent to know the answers to the test." Yeah. And. That's so interesting,
0: because yeah. also fucks you psychologically. It yeah. throws you off and just always keep you on your toes. He's in a weird position, but he also has the advantage of being able to intimidate. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people um, – how much is that a role of it, like being scared
1: of the other person? It's a huge role, I think. I think some of the top guys would deny it, but you know when you're in the seventh hour and you're playing Magnus. Yeah. It's a very different feeling than some of the other – when Magnus is messing around in the opening, it's very different than another person messing around in the opening. You just kind of like <laughs> expect to for something to be there. Uh, we'll see if it translates to poker for him, but I think he gar- he gets a little bit maybe less respect in the poker world. In the chess world, he's sort of alpha. He gets like a that. lot of respect.
0: I just talked to Daniel Negrano. He gets, gets the, the only person that doesn't respect Magnus Carlsen. Honestly, either in chess or poker, is Magnus Carlsen.
1: I was going to say Hans Niemann. <laughs> <laughs> That's true,
0: but like Magnus is hilarious. I mean, when he talks about his rating, he's like, eh, "It's pretty good." When he talks about how good he's at poker, ah, I suck. But you know, well, I he... think that self-critical view <laughs> that he, I think he honestly believes, uh, to to a degree is is probably part of the the, uh, the engine that fuels him to get better and better and better and better.
1: Yeah, well, what I'm saying is if, you, if you're if you face-to-face with Magnus at a chessboard, it's not the same as being in a nine-handed poker table with him. You kind of keep an eye on him, maybe, and, and then you, yeah, he's a true. mysterious guy. But true. chess is different, because you're like, this is the man.
0: Yeah, there's very few people. Yeah, so in uh, in poker, they talk about Phil Ivey that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah.
0: this super yeah. intimidating. I think that's that's... It's probably... Harder to intimidate in poker. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. There's something intimidating about like excellence in a deterministic game that's just terrifying. Like you're fucked. I mean, it's like playing stockfish. Like, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. This thing will suffocate you. Mm-hmm. And especially when you do- makes moves that you don't understand. This I to me, the most beautiful thing, honestly, is the sacrifices. That the um, the engines do. Just the. It's such a fuck you. Yep. Like I could sacrifice pieces mm-hmm. and I'll get them back and I'll get them back more and I it could do. not
1: even. I don't even have to get them back. Your position is so bad. I gave you full material and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. That's it's, terrifying. Yeah.
0: That's terrifying. That's like. And that transfers to AI systems in general. Like. Like a system that plays weak just to. F- To fool you. Mm -hmm. For people who uh, are trying to get better at chess, beginners or um, at any stage of their development, what what advice would you give about getting better? Except watch your Yeah, of
1: course, watch my videos. Check out chessley.com. That's where we're gonna scale the courses to. (laughs) Uh, But no, on a serious note, you have to be prepared to lose way more than win. My mom gave me advice when I was maybe thirteen or fourteen, and I just discovered that I I liked girls. She said, "You're gonna get a lot more ye- uh, no's in life than yeses." Uh, that even happened with with my wife. Actually, our whole journey is is quite quite it's fascinating. fascinating. It's paved with rejection. C- paved with yes, ver- various uh, ghostings uh, over the course of years. But uh, we got married and we love each other very much. So, um, it's a it's a it's a it's a wonderful tale. But it's it's the it's the same in chess you're gonna lose a lot and you have to be for adults I noticed kids and adults learn chess very differently kids yell out in class and they're very excited and they don't realize how many times they get something wrong adults never want to talk during lessons because they're afraid of being wrong adults will preface correct answers with this is probably wrong but like shut up you're paying for a for a private lesson this is the place to be wrong, mm-hmm. you know? So adults especially think that being dominant in a career where they've dedicated a lot of their brain power, a lot of their work ethic, and a lot of their study time, it's going to translate to chess. They do it to ki- their own kids. They helicopter their own kids because mm-hmm. they try to apply a lot of the same stuff. Chess, Studying chess is different than studying anything else. Anything else. Which, same could be argued for martial arts, I guess, but... Yeah, 100%. You
0: have to have a beginner's mind, and what that actually means is... Sucking in every aspect yeah. of the game and yeah. and studying all the interesting ways in which you suck.
1: And you will realize you get better without actually trying to get better. I show up to the boxing gym one day, I move my hips better. Yeah. And my I would do shadow boxing. Uh sensei goes, You're moving your feet better today. You got better. I'm like, I didn't practice footwork. It's just your brain just starts putting it all together randomly. You might study a shitload and still lose a hundred points. If you're gonna study chess, oh, and for fuck's sake, this is the Only activity where people go in going, how much do I have to work to be a grandmaster? Nowhere else in my life have I ever seen someone try to pick up a hobby and want to be the the, the top ranking level. Only in chess. You're right. But
0: like, for example, when I like grappling sports, I'll see people come to a gym and basically ask like, how long before I can get into the UFC, right? But UFC (laughs) champion is different. I mean, no, grandmaster is equivalent to getting into the UFC.
1: Um, I guess, yeah.
0: So, but people quickly realize when like the 110 pound girl taps them out over and over and they're a 230 pound like um, ripped dude, they realize like, okay, this yeah. is an art, this is a journey. Yeah. And I think if you resist the lessons that failure teaches you, that's when you don't grow. So like, just relax. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you have to learn probably applies to chess too, is to know how to relax your body, your mind. And just like, there's something about, just like you said, like, if you don't resist it, if you relax, then your body, your mind will learn the way of this game. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably add to that is just put a lot of hours in of having fun. But then then I, uh, on that Perpetual Chess podcast, I listened to somebody that say like, it doesn't like puzzles, none of that. What matters is the number of hours you spend kind of suffering, <laughs> meaning like thinking deeply, like count, like, like yeah. straining, like thinking with your mind, like yeah. really working hard. So, uh, and then the, you know, you have the Magnus who says, no, what matters is the number of hours you spend having fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a mix. It's a mix. He's right. I don't quite agree with suffering, but I think people do a lot of fake learning They play speed games. They just go through tactics. So, okay, I have to do 20 tactics. Okay, boop, wrong, next one. I used to tell my students, you need to do 10 puzzles and you need to get 100% correct. I don't care how long it takes. So I suppose that kind of is like the suffering theory. But if you do 30 puzzles and you get eight correct, what even is that? That's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a laughable and the correct amount of, you know, it was 29%. I don't know, but 26%. It's You can't do that. You have to get things right, and that's the only way you're actually – And that
0: requires, like, thinking deeply and, like, really struggling. Like,
1: especially if you're doing the puzzles at the level that that's your level. I've done a puzzle for an hour before because I was so stubborn. Yeah. I didn't want to just put in a wrong answer. Yeah, the, 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 the guy I was listening to said, like, that's good. You should, you should do Maybe that. Maybe for me. And the same with blindfold chess, I have to say. Like, my, my blindfold skills, I never practice. I just, I can visualize the board quite well. I've played, at most, I've played four games blindfolded at the same time. That sucks. That just feels horrible in the brain afterward. But, like, I can play four simultaneous games. Blindfolded. Yeah. Th- yeah what's that take to do that? I don't know. And I get asked that all the time. How do I practice? Why the fuck?
0: <laughs> Why would you do that to
1: you? There's no need. It's a good party trick. It is, yes, I. it is. The video of Magnus doing it in Columbus Circle on YouTube has like, I don't know how many views. <laughs> I did it live with an announcer. I can't imagine how chaotic that was, but he, yeah, it's a great party trick. But- yeah. Oh, there is a Reddit thing I, I
0: forgot to ask Magnus, that they asked me to ask him because they moved the wrong piece.
1: Yes. And then somehow he remembered. I don't know how that happened, I have to tell you. I...
0: I was. I kind of presumed that he figured out from the way the other person was yeah. moving that they moved the wrong piece. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to ask him that.
1: Yeah. Why did I
0: forget? I mean, my memory sucks. Uh, you said, you know, ups and downs in your childhood, a little rough sometimes. Um, also, you get attacked by the beautiful, wonderful people on the internet. Sure. So sometimes it's difficult. Yes. What's uh. What's been the lowest point that you've ever gone to in your mind? In my career, in my life, in your life, in your career, and everything, your mind. So, have you uh, ever been depressed?
1: For sure. Yes.
0: How How did you like? If you can remember moments, how did you overcome that?
1: Well, i I will share two anecdotes. Uh, one when I was. Uh, May 2012, so I was uh, 16 and a half, and I was living in a household situation where I thought nobody knew what was going on, basically, without sharing, obviously, extremely personal details, like what was going on except me. And I confided in my grandmother I was, imagine living in a house where you basically feel like a prisoner. You don't want to interact with anybody in the house. You don't know how you're supposed to bring these things up. Of course, this sounds extremely vague and I just don't, I don't feel like exposing all of my entire family drama to the audience. But I lived this way for probably something like eight months. I don't know, something ridiculous. It was the junior year of high school. So I was supposed to take my SATs. That was the year I was supposed to finish up my portfolio for college because you only get really a few months of senior year to start applying. It was a fuck. It was a nightmare, yeah. complete nightmare. And I, I don't know how I got through it. Time went by. I listened to sad music and tried to spend as little time as home as possible. I would pretend to fall asleep at my friends' houses so that my mom was like, Are "You coming for dinner?" And I would just pretend to be asleep. So it was just a grind. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a grind. I I don't remember a whole lot from from that period. Just sort of finding what made me happy and trying to focus on it. And I was a teenager in the house. I wasn't going to run away. I still had a roof over my head. So I'm not not saying I had it better or worse than others. I just had it different. Uh, and actually, recently, th- this is much more on my memory. Uh, I more or less tore up a very happy life my wife and I had. And I've talked about this in bursts on stream, but essentially what happened was uh, we, we had just been living in, it's actually funny that the way we got into this apartment was was also very bad, but we were living in just a very like nice little apartment, like high-rise apartment, safe. And the reason we moved into a high-rise was because we had lived in a house for two weeks that got broken into. Not because of who I am, but because we suspect we had people moving in mattresses and they went, oh shit, these two people live here? That's it? Mm -hmm. And basically there was three apartments. My upstairs neighbor let in somebody that they didn't expect. And the guy cracked our door open with a crowbar. Thank God that was the first day in two years my wife went to work. Did they know? Did they not know? I don't know. Everything happens for a reason. So So nobody got hurt. Hmm? nobody got nobody hurt. got hurt yeah they stole did they, they stole in a, some couple of important things but nobody was hurt uh and the cops did nothing <laughs> <laughs> so you uh they so moved into a high rise so in new york yeah in new york for for safety and we're away from things and we have our own nice little nook and somewhere some months into it i started hearing noises from above our neighbors and it started in the morning, 7 a.m. It started in the afternoon and I picked up on it and I expected it every day for weeks. Then it was driving me crazy and I was like, okay, we're going to go have a civil conversation with who's ever up there. It sounds like kids. Mm-hmm. So we go knock. Lady gaslit the shit out of us. I've never been gaslit that hard in my life. She went, noise, what noise? It's probably our other neighbor who's a boxer. I was like, Lady, you have kids. We can hear you through the vents. Are you talking to your kids? Went to the front desk of the building. They did nothing. Went to the leasing office. They did nothing. And basically, over time, I just let this drive me nuts. It was in, back to the stubbornness thing. I, I, I decided we were leaving. We were going to live somewhere. There was no noise because we can't beat these people. There's, there's nothing we can do, right? And my wife, I dragged her around to a bunch of different viewings. because I was dead set. I was, I was I decided. I was completely miserable. And I, we found a house to rent, like a nice house. Family had just moved away. House, standalone house, not going to have neighbors. But wife decided that, not wife decided, we decided that the, it's too big. It's too big for, for so we're going to get a dog. We always wanted an animal, so we're going to get a dog. So we get an absolute lunatic puppy who just doesn't let us sleep at all. This is on top of everything else, the mental health crisis that's going on. And the day we are moving to this house, I realize I fuck up. Like I realized that this whole thing was in my head and I don't want to leave. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I don't want to leave. This could have all been avoided. And the guilt and I didn't want to exist. Like it's not that I, it it wasn't suicide, but you know the feeling of just, you want to just observe yourself from a distance. And I couldn't sleep. I thought my wife was going to leave me. Like this is my, and that's what anxiety does. It also takes everything you feel to an absolute dread. And that I experienced for a good chunk of two weeks, and then we kind of settled down and decided like we're going to live. Did you tell her about it, like were you able to talk through it? Yeah, yeah i <sighs> uh, yeah does she,
0: does she know the levels of madness that could be inside your mind?
1: I don't know if she'll ever know, but I tried to tell her that yes. and uh give glimpses yes,' I'm not I'm
0: not sure you'll ever know. I <laughs> kind of the point
1: <laughs> yeah, I try to that's why I try to keep busy. But that was that was the darkest that got. And yet through all of that, I went on stream every day. I made YouTube videos every day. Like I understood that I had a job to do and and I did it and I talked about it here and there. But that was that that was the worst that ever got because I'm learning that the emotions I experience are guilt, remorse, and your brain just goes in circles, basically. About things that you've done or haven't done. It's funny because
0: noise. Do that also. Mm-hmm. So the noise—the noise was real, but it was building in your head. Yeah. <laughs> so I—I I to. I actually, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I—I I like to focus deeply, and I'll have like sources of noise. I've—I've I've tried to teach myself over time. I'll go to like coffee shops and stuff to like. I, I like. I almost try to put myself next to annoying situations, so I get like trained. Really? Maybe I should do that. But it's at a certain point. At the same time, I've gotten to hang out with a, a certain people, especially in LA, that are like in the middle of nowhere, yeah. like in Malibu or something,
1: and it's like that quiet. Can you hear your ears ringing? It's so quiet.
0: Basically, yeah. And it's like, holy shit! This is a good place. This is a good way if you want to write something or create something. This is like super quiet.
1: So my mom does. My mom's a science journalist, science author. She just published her first her first book actually on uh, poop of all things. Yeah. Fecal, the, the waste management. It's actually a very fascinating concept. And look through history, and she would do that. She goes to complete solitude. Yeah, and she writes. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: No sirens. I mean, New York is the opposite of that. So you know, it's you, you've you've brought it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you brought it on yourself.
1: <laughs> I I've lived there for twenty years.
0: It, but... has, has it been tough, like going on stream to put on a face of happiness through that?
1: Yeah. Yes, but I find my ways to have moments where I can talk about it. If it's on a stream, I don't get ten thousand live viewers, so it's very different it's If I stream late night, I get a fifteen hundred two thousand viewers. I used to care a lot more about viewers on 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 stream, but I've basically invested fully in YouTube, so that's kind of the way i and i th- I think I don't know, maybe you can correct me, but I think people appreciate the the human being behind the chess. Streamer, I think so. I think so. I think a lot of people, not in the chess world, but just a lot of people, they, they put on a persona, and just in general, social media is the highlights of your life, or the lowlights, just, just as long as they're dramatic. But I, I've tried. I try to be very open and honest. When I'm tired, I'm tired. It's what makes my recaps of my tournaments, I
0: think, so real. Yeah, man, you're an incredible person. I've been a fan for a long time. It's, it's kind of funny that we connected and we got a chance to talk. Uh, Please, please keep creating, keep teaching people.
1: For now, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Well,
0: it could end at any moment, as we talked about. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for talking today, man. Thank you for everything you do. It was an honor.
1: It was great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for listening to this conversation with Levy Rosman. To support this podcast, please check out our sponsors in the description. And now, let me leave you with some words from Irving Chernev. Every chess master was once a beginner. Thank you for listening and hope to see you next time.